Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good morning, everybody. It is a rainy Sunday morning. Actually, not quite yet here. Uh, I'm Glenn Macknell along with Jody McDonald. Jody Mack, the weather report in New Jersey currently is? Uh, overcast, but no rain here yet either. But it's uh, supposed to be coming. It is supposed to be coming, and if you are going down to the Eagles Packers today, dress accordingly because, by all reports, it is going to be raining uh, at least up until the 820 kickoff, we will see after that. And it is a huge day because the Eagles 9-1 and play the Packers. Aaron Rodgers coming to town. Jody, Aaron Rodgers coming to town with a broken thumb. I was just reading about this. Um, let me just read you this and get your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Rappaport just uh, wrote that he, it, it kind of came out yesterday, that the injury that he suffered when they, the uh, Packers lost to the Giants in London in early October – so we're talking about, geez, six weeks, seven weeks ago, is an avulsion fracture of the thumb. And Dr. McDonald, what that means is that extreme force, in this case a hit uh, from a linebacker, causes the ligament to rip away from the attachment, taking some bone with it. Oof. Usually, almost always, it says the cure, the remedy is immediate surgery. He's playing through it couple of things. Number one, I'm not a doctor, although I'm asked to play one on radio from time to time. Uh, number two, uh, they showed the highlight. I was watching ESPN this morning, and they showed the actual play. It looked to me like he hit it against the ground, mm-hmm. which is different than hitting against someone else's helmet. It was that type of play. As he threw the football, he got pounded to the ground. It looked like the avulsion took place on the ground, which uh, maybe the ground is harder over there in London than it is here. We're always talking about the comparison between turf and grass here. And I don't know where English turf falls on that uh, scale. Um, I just... I've always been an Aaron Rodgers fan. Loved him coming out in the draft. Couldn't believe he sat till into the 20s for the Packers to pick. I thought he was going to be the first overall pick and thought he'd be better than Alex Smith, which surely he can be. That's one I got to take a victory lap for. But <laughs> um, I, I'm i just getting the feeling, Mac, that this may be the end of the road. Mm. That he doesn't say anything for five or six weeks And I know I've seen video of the conversations he has all the time with McAfee and good for McAfee that he gets him on the show all the time. Probably writes a pretty good check because I know how big McAfee's check is. So if they had this uh, carve off a little for Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure he's very willing to do that. Um, And they, they seem to be boys and it's rather relaxed and it's comfortable. And maybe it was just an off the cuff mention I'm sorry, maybe I'm getting cynical in my old age, but the first thing I thought thought about was, is he laying the groundwork for an exit here? That if he's losing to the Eagles in the second half, getting a beatdown put on him, that they get to the eight-loss mark for the season. And come on, they're, they're like, I think I saw on ESPN this morning, a 6% chance to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah. It'll surely be less than that if they lose to the Eagles. 
maybe this is a way for him to be able to step aside and go, yeah, this thumb is just coming. I don't know that I can play. Uh, reading the rumors that Jordan Love needs to get in a game and the Packers need to get a look at him. Maybe he hastens the process and says, yeah, this thumb is just not good. I probably need surgery on it. Glenn Macnow said on WIP he needs and should have had surgery. Well, let me go ahead and get that surgery done so that I can easily step aside. Uh, yeah. Just, just mentioning. Yeah. Um, well, that's a really interesting point because for them, this is make it or break it. As you said, they have a 6% chance. Is that what you said of getting in the playoffs today, Correct. this morning? As of today, before right. today. They lose. Yeah, they lose today. They go to 4-8, and eight, and they ain't making the playoffs this year at 9-8, and eight if they, even if they run the table. So I agree with you. If they lose today, they're done. And if they are done, does that give him – and by no means am I suggesting, nor do I think you are, that he's a quitter. But at that point, it's like, hey, I really tried to play through this injury. You know, I gave it my best shot for a number of weeks. At this point, the thing for me to do is to sit down and recover. Now, I'm talking for the year. You're, are you talking about retirement, retirement? Retirement from the Green Bay Packers, not okay. the National Football League, because oh. I don't think the Rodgers is a quitter. I'm with you on that. But we found that this past offseason – when he needs to, he can play the diva negotiation card oh, yeah. and not show up for minicamp and uh, not talk to his backup quarterback. And, oh, he played his cards just right to get that $50 million a year extension tacked onto his contract. So if need be, like, hey, I need to get surgery done on my thumb – to hasten his exit from Green Bay to potentially go elsewhere because he looks around and says, yeah, I want another shot at a Super Bowl between you, me, and the lamppost. I don't think it's happening here in Green Bay, so maybe I need to start to play the leverage negotiation card and see if I can be elsewhere next year. Play the Brady uh, thing more or less. Kind of. Brady was so much better at it. He kept it all, when I say better, I mean under wraps. Rodgers yeah. did it out front. Yeah, Rogers Rogers made Rogers it well been, known. Yeah. Rodgers goes on the McAfee show so that he can do his negotiating and leverage gaining on a week-in, week-out basis. Brady, to his credit, kept it all behind closed doors. Yeah. Only he and Kraft and Belichick knew about it, so I wouldn't compare those two. Well, I just mean in terms of a great Hall of Fame quarterback deciding after great success in one franchise he wants Going to go elsewhere. Else. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, that, in those terms. Yeah, Rodgers is so public about it. He hinted about becoming the host of Jeopardy when that was. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's. <laughs> hinted. He did it for weeks. Yeah. He was okay, too. He wasn't hard. He wasn't bad. wasn't terrible. He wasn't at the all. worst one they had doing it. Oh, not even close. <laughs> so, um, I just want to. I got one more thought on the injury, and I have a prediction tonight, and it's going to annoy us. Um, I'll, I'll let my cards out early and tell you I think the Eagles are going to win. You and I will pick scores later. I'm not exactly giving away the story here, but. Mm-hmm. I think that the game kickoffs at 8.20. Before 9 p.m., we will all be thoroughly sick of Chris Collingsworth praising, being overly effusive about the bravery of Aaron Rodgers playing through this. And if and when he touches a touchdown pass, Chris Collingsworth is going to play it like they just named a new pope. All right. Uh, then I, I, I got to put you on the, the, the carpet here. How many mentions is that? You said before 9 o'clock, so in yeah. the first hour, uh, 45 minutes of the broadcast. Yeah. Is three overkill? 
One is one is one is legit because oh, it's yeah, a story. No, no. Uh, I'll you take, have I'll to take report over three it and a half. Guy. I'll take over, over three and a half four, for a beer. Four Aaron, four Aaron Rodgers thumb mentions in the first forty-five minutes of the game. Correct. Okay, you're on. All right, I you and I Collins are actually meeting for beers this week. Yes, we are. So we'll bet a beer, even though they're all being paid for. But nonetheless, <laughs> we'll bet. <laughs> I'll bet a beer. One of us will have to go up to the bar <laughs> and get it. We'll <laughs> give we'll give our server a little bit of a break. That's and have it. To yes. go and Here fetch it is. The two beers. Right, right. The guy who loses the bet throws an extra five or ten in for the tip. Correct. Okay. That's a done there deal. you go. All right. So we got that. So. Um, let's, I was, I wanted to talk, I was going to start by talking about, uh, Hertz and Sirianni, but I like this Rogers thing we're talking about. So let's stick with that for a while. By the way, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, best caller of the day wins a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Uh, Francisco Rojas, our producer, will be the judge on that regard. Okay, so... The um, I, I've been watching the Packers a little bit this year. I did watch the game in England where uh, he looked he looked pretty bad. I mean, he looked real bad, and, and his throwing wasn't accurate. Uh, I watched them against Dallas where they were they were down fourteen, I think, and they come back and beat the uh, the Cowboys in overtime in New York. Uh, and then uh, Thursday night football, they looked terrible against Tennessee. And only score 17. So do we know which Rodgers, do you have a thought as to which Aaron Rodgers comes out tonight? I think he's had a less than stellar year. And maybe, and I'm going to sound like Chris Collinsworth apparently here, it has something to do with that thumb. I don't know. Um, but if it is legitimately broken, and I don't think you make something like that up, uh, most quarterbacks would have an issue throwing the football with the kind of injury that he has. Uh, so I, I'm factoring that into my evaluation. They never replaced Devontae Adams. They threw a bunch of young okay. guys out there. They got a couple of well-recognizable names of wide receivers who've been around the league before, some of which previously Rodgers, others taking first chance with Rodgers, and it just hasn't flat-out worked. I'm not, I know we always leave it right at the doorstep of the quarterback, but that's not always accurate and or fair. I, I think the Packers did a lousy job of giving him the necessary weapons around him. Which, by the way, he makes note of all the time. He'll, he'll oh, let you know time. that publicly. All the time. Like yeah. I said, he's so much better at playing the diva game than a guy like uh, Brady is. Um, I don't know that you should be. You asked me should uh, what Aaron Rodgers is going to show up. Here's the one thing I feel more confident about. This is not the same Green Bay Packers. How much of that is Aaron Rodgers, and you just want to judge the 53-man roster? Oh, no, they're 4-7 they're and seven on merit. They deserve to be 4-7. and seven. They haven't been, oh, my God, just lost games and a bad call year and a bad bounce there. Oh, no, they're a 4-7 and seven football yep. team, yep. and they're a usual 13-3, and 12-5, and 13-4, and now with extra games, an extra game added. That's what we're used to seeing out of the Green Bay Packers, and this team – is not nearly as good as the Packers we've seen over the last several years. No, they're not. They are, as you say, they're four and seven on merit. See, I'm so used to the Packers always being a high quality team, right? Yep. Always for I don't know, how many years has he been? He's 38, right? So he's 16 years in the league. He did. He was a backup to Favre the first couple of years. So figure he's been a starter for what 13, 14 yeah. years. I mean, I, I I'm not looking it up. I bet you they've had winning records eleven or twelve of those years. I bet you they've you know won double digit games almost all those years. 
He is just uh, let me throw in a little background. He is four and two against the Eagles career. Best game, well, best game for us was twenty nineteen when the Eagles beat them thirty-four to twenty-seven. Jody, if you can tell me who scored three touchdowns for the Eagles in that game, I'll buy you all the beers this week. Was well, that doing the, that anyway? But, what year was this? Twenty nineteen. 2019. Three um, touchdowns for the Birds as they win 34 to 27. Who had three touchdowns? Yeah, for the Eagles. Yeah, I got no idea. Do you remember the name Jordan Howard? Yes. <laughs> he had a game. <laughs> he had a good one, huh? And it was Wentz and it was all Sean Jeffrey and it was a bunch of guys who weren't here. Um, the last time they played was 2020 and the Eagles were 3 8 and 1 and the Packers were 9 and 3 going into the games, probably the same week as this year. And he beat the Eagles 30-16, to 16, throwing for 295 yards and three touchdowns. So he has had a lot of great games against the Eagles. Do you believe this is the last chance Eagle fans will get to see him play? As a Packer, possibly, yes. I'm not writing him off. And there's a possibility he could walk away because uh, I a big I think, deal, man. I think he did it for leverage purposes when he floated that, oh, I can host Jeopardy thing. Um, and he's got a lot of money yet to come. So my guess would be... He would try and relocate himself next year with, of course, the assistance of the Packers. And, oh, by the way, with every passing game, the value that you're going to get in exchange for him, it's going down, Green Bay, sorry to say. And another, oh, by the way, with Russell Wilson doing what, what Russell Wilson is doing, the we'll go out and get the superstar quarterback and change our whole franchise around and pay a king's ransom to do it. The Packers' uh, leverage on a potential return for Rodgers has been compromised. Um, as a Green Bay Packer, green on green, yeah, I think there's a good chance we have. this is the last time we ever see that. I do, too. I think um, I would say it's better than 50-50 chance. It's the last time we see him here in our stadium because there's so many teams in the league, and he's, he's not coming to the NFC East, right? He's not going to end up with the Giants or Washington. We believe that. I will completely dismiss the Giants because they're not going to be in position to pick a quarterback. And Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones. Um, I doubt the way that they're building it. I don't see uh, their Shane, GM and and Dable going there, but I can't say a 100 percent. No, you know, you're probably right. He could play Broadway. He's he got could. a little. He's got a little Joe Namath vibe to him. He does. If, he's a little thin skin, though, man. He he'd he'd have to because the the New York media, as you may know, that's, Jody, that that's be very tough. true. You got he, a point. There. He's a little thin skin, so he's going to have to learn to cope with that if that's the case. Um, he also is far and away the best quarterbacks the Eagles are going to face this season. So here's here's the ones they've beaten so far. Well, I'll say he's the best one they they will have faced this season. Then we can get from here. Here's the quarterbacks the Eagles have beaten so far. Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, who's having a good year. Didn't have a good night, but he's having a good year. Carson Wentz, you remember him. <laughs> Kyler Murray, Cooper Rush, Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, Matt Ryan. Uh, those are the quarterbacks the Eagles have beaten. They uh, still have to play Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, uh, who Tannehill next week. I'm trying to think of who else is on the schedule, but he – He's the best quarterback they'll face this year. I mean, he's the only one who's been the NFL MVP a couple of years. And while their offense has struggled, I will say, uh, and you may have already suggested this, I never count out Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think this is going to be an easy win tonight. And I think um, 
I think the Eagles will win. I already said that. But I, I, I think Chris Collinsworth will have plenty of moments that he can be effusive about the bravery okay. of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I don't think it's A, going to go that way, or B, Collinsworth would go that way. Uh, here's what I've always said about Aaron Rodgers, and some people get annoyed by it because they think I'm heaping too much praise on him. Um, is he the greatest quarterback in the history of the National Football League? No, he is not. That's Tom Brady. And there's a whole bunch of other guys I would put ahead of Aaron Rodgers. But if you're just talking about measuring a skill set, you know it's in my DNA as a uh, scout. My father only did it for 45, 50 years, and he taught me everything about how to scout a baseball player. But you can attribute a line of thinking and the way you look at things to other sports as well if you think you know them well enough. I surely can do that with basketball. And I think I can do it with football, specifically the quarterback position. He might have the greatest skill set of any quarterback I've ever seen. The ability to just whip it off the right shoulder, to be able to make a play outside the pocket. Oh, by the way, he doesn't run like some of the quarterbacks, like this Hurts guy in Philadelphia. He's pretty good. Uh, it's the secondary right now for MVP <laughs> in the NFL. That when he takes off, you're, you're talking about 25 or 30 yards. And we're seeing a bunch of quarterbacks doing that more than we've ever done in the National Football League. He's not doing it as much because he's in his late 30s now. Rodgers used to be able to take off and make 20 when you needed to. People have probably forgotten about that in his game, but he could do that when he needed to back in his early years. He can still make amazing tosses on the run, on the month, 25 yards on a line, downfield to the receiver, toe drag swag before he goes out of bounds. He might have the best skill set I've ever seen of any quarterback ever play the game. That's how highly I think of the talents that Aaron Rodgers has. Wow. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I, I I hadn't thought of that, and I'd have to kind of think in my head who else I could consider for that. But I will say he's certainly one of the five best quarterbacks of this century, right? I mean, that goes without saying. Easily. Uh, yeah. This century is only 22 years old. So uh, of that group, oh, he's unquestioned in the top uh, 20. I just told you, ever, for me, skill set. Yeah. Now, there's more to it. There's leadership, the ability to win the big games, and a lot, and that's what makes Brady Brady in all of those championships, and Rodgers got all of one, so he's not in the conversation of greatest of all time. But if you're just talking about getting out a piece of paper, writing down a scouting report on what he can do while playing the quarterback position with his physical gifts, I think Aaron Rodgers might be the greatest of all time. Wow. That's a bold statement. Uh, let me yeah, think about that. That's a how bit. much I think about him, and I don't think it's going to be an issue tonight because he's not surrounded by enough talent. This Green Bay team is not good enough to compete with the Philadelphia Eagles. You're not impressed with that rookie kid? He's got five touchdowns in the last two games. No, uh, the Eagles have the best secondary in the entire National Football League. Uh, okay, uh, good. so he's he's averaging two and a half touchdowns. Is what you're telling me over the last? Did you say last two or three games? He's got five touchdowns five. in the last two games. Five and two. Yeah, I'll take the under two and a half in this game. <laughs> not that bad. I'm not, no, no beers on that one. Sure. Okay, no. All right. <laughs> I've made some, some dumb bets with you in my life. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not as dumb as that. you made with Sealski, and you've already, you're oh, only one man. into betting him. Jeez. I, and that's going to cost me a whole dinner. Yeah, I, I don't. I regret that. I regretted that one from like 10 minutes after I made it, but, you know. What are you going to do? All right, 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now, we got a lot coming up over the next three hours. We will examine uh, every aspect of the game tonight. Sunday night football down at the link. And uh, I do want to – got a thing coming up I want to talk to Jody about, about the bond 
between coach and quarterback and the special one we may have here with Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. I want to talk some baseball with my uh, seamhead pal, Jody Mack. Jody, I got two names of guys that I think would really help the Phillies that we haven't discussed a lot. I want to see if you think they are uh, any good or I'm out of my mind with those. Uh, we'll work the Sixers. And, Jody, the Flyers lost again last night. I think it was their 33rd loss in a row. Holy mackerel, they're terrible. Yeah. So we'll get into that as well. Get into all of it, whatever you want to discuss with us. We are happy to do so. Remember, best caller of the day wins a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports. We'll be right back. Jody Mack, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jody Mack and Glenn Mack, now Eagles Sunday. Tonight, Sunday Night Football at the Link Eagles against the Green Bay Packers. Dominic and Cherry Hill has concerns what's the matter dominic hey guys how you doing happy holidays same to you dom oh thanks yeah great show as always um so i am concerned and i'm not normally one to be uh really worried about the eagles i'm always fired up always like you know 24 14 10 points or more eagles are gonna win but tonight i'm really worried about the packers with rogers and he's starting to get some people back their run game like there's, those are the highlights of why I'm worried. But then also with how we've been playing on offense, I just feel like without Goddard, Hurts doesn't have someone that he was definitely confident with. Like he, if you notice on some of the plays uh, early in this year, uh, he he went to Goddard when nothing else was kind of around, and he could always trust that. And I think Goddard is a blocker too. So what do you guys think? I mean, I'm just well, concerned. They, they, listen, they certainly miss Goddard, and that's that's going to be a problem because that's not something that they can replace. They have three tight ends, and none of them are really going to give you a whole lot. Um, and I will agree with you, Dominic, that they haven't looked particularly good in any of the last three games. Is there something to worry about, or is this that case where good teams can hit a lull during a long season but keep winning? I, you know, I watched. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the Bills on Thursday, Thanksgiving, and the Bills looked pretty, pretty blah against Detroit, and they ended up winning. Uh, I watched the Cowboys first half against the Giants; they looked terrible. They won. Um, I, I, in the grand scheme, I'm not that worried. Um, Jody, I don't. You may see it differently. Dom, let me ask you a question. I'll yeah. set a line for you right now. More yards carried line of scrimmage. Who you got tonight, Aaron jo- Jones or uh, uh, Miles Sanders? Aaron Jones. Yeah, I'll take Miles Sanders tonight. Packers defense, as bad as the Eagles defense has been against the run, it was much improved with the addition of their two elderly defensive tackles who come off the scrap heap and go out and produce and do the job. I think the Eagles run the football more effectively than the Packers tonight. 
Here's my biggest thing, though, Jody, and that's a good point. But we just don't I, – I don't have confidence that the coaches are going to run the ball. Like, I just – I want them to call runs. Call the runs. The RPOs is fine, but, like, when it gets to the point where we're not running the ball and Sanders gets the ball twice – Here's, 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 why, here's why I'm not worried about that. What they do last year when they were 2-5? and five? They ran the ball. They ran the ball. I think they're going to have watched the same film that you've watched over the last couple of games and the offensive not be uh, being as productive as it was for the first six or seven weeks of the season. Go, hold on, let's check. Oh, shoot, Dallas still hurt. Maybe we should turn to our strength and run the ball down the Green Bay Packers' throats. I think that's happening tonight. I think Miles Sanders has a big game. Green Bay's not bad against the pass. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL against the run. Green Bay is, in fact, fifth in the league against the pass, 24th against the runs. That certainly backs up what you say. Yeah, that backs it up. All right, I want to talk a little bit. I read a, a really good uh, Ruben Frank column earlier this week about the, the, the connection between Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. And I, I want to play a quick little uh, audio. This was after the game, after the win in Indianapolis last week. Sirianni's kind of given his post-game talk to the team, and Hurts interrupts to give his coach a game ball because he knows how much beating his old team, the Colts, meant to Sirianni. So here it is. I thought that was very cool. I thought that Hertz knew what it meant because Sirianni was pretty circumspect about it, but they knew what it meant to him after Frank Reich had gotten fired in Indianapolis for him to come back and kind of rub the ownership's face in it with an Eagles win. Blade win, but a win. Um, And... um, Ruben wrote a column about how clear it is that how much Sirianni means to the team and how much he means to Hertz and how the relationship between the two of them is important. I'll read you a quote from the story. The relationship with Jalen, I just appreciate the head coach quarterback relationship we have and how it's grown over the last year and a half. We know more and more about each other, not only in football, but our personal lives too. They're both the sons of coaches they're both competitors. They're both leaders. When they went to Houston, Sirianni visited with Hertz family. So my question to you, Jody, is how good can these two guys become together? It's a great question and a great storyline following the Eagles for today, tomorrow, next week, next year, years to come. Uh, it's something that we can and should be talking about for hopefully years to come here in Philadelphia. A couple of things before we get there, though circumspect when he was on the bench pointing to Eagles fans. Well, that was at the end. That was at the end. That was at the end. I was talking about all before leading up to it. You know, you're okay. Because Jalen handed the ball to him after the game. Yeah. After he had done what he had done. Yes. I meant circumspect until that point. He had been circumspect before the game actually took place. Yeah. He had been asked all week, what does it mean to you? And he did the, you know, that's another game, blah, blah, blah. That's what I mean. Right. Okay. Uh, Because he was, (laughs) I'm trying to follow the timeline here and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He wasn't circumspect at all. No, the the court blew off at the end. I agree. It shortly did. And a lot of media members uh, were, suggesting that maybe that contributed to the Eagles' questionable play calling, that Sirianni was so engulfed and grained by he had to have this win that kind of took him off his game. I don't put as much credence into that as some others did. Uh, Steichen is the guy who's calling the plays. I don't believe Sirianni was more in this week 
uh, second-guessing or, or putting in plays on the fly. So you would have to accuse Steichen of being distracted and or overly emotional as well, and I don't think that's the case. So I didn't buy that whole narrative this week that that's why Sirianni was off his game. It was a lousy play-calling game because he couldn't – he was too obsessed with he had to beat the Colts. So I didn't buy that a- at all. Um and I thought it was kind of weird what, what hammers home your point is Jalen decided to do that because I've always thought game balls were supposed to go to guys who go above and beyond. And, oh, by the way, the Eagles didn't have a great play-calling week. The offense wasn't great until the very last five minutes of the game. So just uh, as the way you usually give away game balls, you don't give it to somebody who just about got the job done, and that's what they did as a team at Sirian as well. So it does tell you plenty about the relationship between those two guys. But again, let me be the cold water uh, thrown on, on the fire here. As much, And here's the one thing I don't know. I'll get your opinion on this. The Eagles tried really hard this offseason to acquire both Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. And if the Eagles as an organization, and we do have to try and split that off and define it, were so motivated to go out and get another quarterback how much really did the relationship between Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni matter? Now, Sirianni may have just been a bystander, and this all could have been Howie Roseman at all making a decision that we need to upgrade a quarterback, and maybe Sirianni was continually saying behind the scenes, no, we got our guy, we got our guy, Jalen's good. I'm telling you, Jalen and I can get this job done, but as an organization, they were ready, willing, and able to, to go forward with a different quarterback. So I think we need to keep that in mind when we judge the relationship between the current MVP candidate quarterback of the Eagles and where we were nine months ago. Okay, fair point. Absolutely a fair point. And by the way, thank God none of that happened. <laughs> and for the record, I was never in favor of either of those moves. Absolutely not. I, I did, oh, I, I would have bought Russell Wilson. I, I I wasn't a Deshaun Watson guy, but I would have bought Russell Wilson. I wouldn't have done it for for what it cost, and I, and and I'm, I'm glad they didn't do it. Um, and clearly things have changed because Hertz has emerged this year. I think above and beyond what maybe anybody expected him to do. Uh, and at the end of this season, this off season, they're going to have to decide: okay, are we going to give him that huge contract now? We're going to franchise him, whatever. But. With the acknowledgement that we've been through this before where Wentz was, had that great year and they gave him the huge contract and then regretted it, with that being a bit of a possibility, I don't think so. I think these two guys, I'm very optimistic. I think these two guys can and will stay together for years and become a terrific coach-quarterback duo. Um, listen, I'll give you, you know, and please understand, I'm not saying that they're going to be anything close to this, but the mark of successful teams, am I correct, Jody, tends to be when you have those two guys together, when you have a Belichick and a Brady, when you have a Walsh in Montana, which was probably the perfect coach-quarterback duo because the one guy designed the offense for the other guy. It was great. Um, what are some others in our lifetime? Uh, Don Shula, Dan Marino was a great one, right? Uh, Sean Payton, Drew Brees was a great one. I'll give you one, uh, going back a little bit, but certainly mm-hmm. one you and I discussed many a time. Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman. Sure. Which they, there's kind of a similarity between those two and here in Philadelphia because 
two years in, three years in, El Kumbaya, the greatest combination of all time. They're on the same page. They know exactly what they wanted to do. People forget, Jimmy Johnson went out and in a uh, auxiliary draft. That's not the word for it, but I can't yeah, think yeah, of yeah, the yeah. word. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Took Steve Walsh, yeah. his former Miami quarterback, and the Cowboys gave up a first-round draft pick just to be able to add Steve Walsh to an already drafted Troy Aikman. So the whole, oh, Jimmy and, and Troy were joined at the hip from day one. No, they weren't. They developed into that, but they were not there to begin with. And, again, not having been a fly on the wall, behind the scenes, Eagle uh, War Rooms this offseason when they're trying to acquire another veteran quarterback, I don't know how much uh, it was done at the protest of yeah. the, the coach, but right now these two guys are absolutely on the same page. That's and a great, great together. That's a great one. I'm just thinking the best one around today is Reed Mahomes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Best duo in the league right now. Uh, and, give, and, and give Andy credit for that because he was the guy behind the scenes who made the deal to move up in the draft to take Patrick Mahomes. So he loved the kid uh, before he ever put a chief uniform on, and now they've had the success they've had. Yeah, Bears could have done that. Um, and, and it, it is, and I think Ruben wrote about this. It's no coincidence that many of the all time great quarterbacks have had brilliant head coaches, right? It's, it's, that's the most important relationship maybe in sports. Um, and listen, what have we had here before? We had, uh, Andy and Donovan. That was pretty good, right? We had Vermeil and Jaws. That was pretty good. Yep. I've, I've, I've seen, there's this old video of Jaws in his first year here, and he's having a rough game, and I think he throws an interception, and he's getting sacked, and you see Jaws on the sidelines. He's really dejected, and Vermeil walks over to him. And he says, listen, you're my quarterback. Don't worry about me taking you out because I'm not. You're my guy, and that proved to be the case for years to come. Flip side is we had Buddy and Randall, which was not the best combination for each other. Right, but after we had Randall and Kotite, come on. Now, one of the all-time great combos ever. All right, maybe not. <laughs> he hated them. So that, that's it, and I'd kind of like to get a little bit more and to get people's thoughts on it because I am very optimistic that these two working together can really be a terrific combination going down the road. Maybe I've got, uh, as you would say in our years past, green-colored blinders on right now that I'm looking at 9-1. and mm. one. But um, – and let me add I'm looking one more at this, and I like it. Let me add one more thing to the mix, because if if I've got the right read on this, it's going to portend very well going forward. They kind of balance each other. If last week was true Sirianni, where he may have kept it under wraps to a point, but then, as you correctly stated, the cork popped on the bottle, and he went nuts and stood on the top of the bench afterwards and was very emotional. He's an emotional guy. I think he keeps it together pretty well on the sidelines, but just overall, the media sessions that we get, I think it's safe to say he's a really emotional guy and maybe even at times lets the emotion get the better of him. And then you got Cool Hand Lucas, your quarterback, who nothing seems to face him. And yeah. he's always flatline, and he's just composed and within himself at all times. They might be a perfect combo together, and that's why it's working as well as it is. That's a great point. That's a great point, yeah. Yeah, the quarterback's the really calm guy. Yep, I like it. Let's talk to Linda in Swarthmore. You're on with Jody and Glenn. How are you this morning? 
Oh, I'm great, guys. Great listening to you. And, Glenn, you've been must-listen uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings forever. So oh, you're great. so kind. Yeah, I'm walking around Swarthmore, a town you know a little bit about. Um, I do. I love it. Yeah, it's a great town. So here's my, here's my question to you guys. I don't know if this is an old-school thought. To me, one of the big skill sets for Jalen Hurts is his ability, you know, ball handling. He's got that skill set. I just wonder why there's not more under the center. I just feel like you could – Get the ball, fake to a running back, do a rollout, fake the other way. I just wish they would do more under center. And is that too, you know, 1990 for this generation? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's not. And there are many times when I agree with you. There are circumstances in games when I clearly think he should be under center. I agree. Okay. It, it's not, okay. Jody, it's not unique. There are a lot of teams that now always uh, do the shotgun, but. I think there are certainly times where it calls for it. It's the NFL in 2022. Everybody runs out of shotgun. It's just, it's not done that way. We are a little old school, and I don't (laughs) think it's returning to under center much going forward here in Philadelphia or anywhere else for that matter. Aggressive defenses, you know, you fake them out for a step. I just feel like, anyway. All right, I just wanted to get your take on it and uh, appreciate your answer and love listening to you. Hey, and have a great walk around Swarthmore this morning. Uh, i got to get here before the rain comes. Yeah, Take care, there guys. There you go. Yeah, I'm looking now, Jody. Again, kind of the same where I am. I was looking at the forecast. It is essentially a 100% chance from – hold on, let me let me re-up it and just see if it's got something new. It is 70%, 90% chance as of 11 o'clock, at least where I am in Havertown, and up to 100% chance at 3 o'clock. And up until 90% chance at 6, 50% at 7, 30% chance at 8. And actually, the rain should stop for the game pretty much. So it'll be wet, but uh, not rainy. So and, they've got, and they've got the field covered, so it's yeah. not, I don't think it's going to play a major factor that they're going to be playing in a bog down at the uh, link tonight. But uh, it's going to unfortunately affect Glenn Macnow's pregame show and a lot of the pregame <laughs> activities that those who aren't at the pregame show may be usually partaking in. Oh, Hopefully so they got a tent tonight. I'm so glad you brought that up because my wife this morning said, because I was talking about I got to drive down, I got to do the pregame, got to fight traffic, tailgate. And she said, you think people are going to tailgate in the rain? And I said, I think so. So I'll ask you, are people going to tailgate in the rain? Oh, it will be curtailed. Eliminated? No. There are people that this is, uh, there, there are 10 days a year, and that's including preseason because they don't differentiate with the importance of the game. It's about Correct. the party. Uh, so there are 10 days a year, 10 of their favorite days of the year. It's an Eagle home game. We've got tickets. We've got our group. We've got our RV. We're doing what we do. They're going to do it no matter what. Mm-hmm. But there's a percentage that will actually let the weather factor into what time they're going to get there, how big a party it's going to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there'll be a drop-off. If, if it rains for uh, six consecutive hours leading up to kickoff, in, in some corners, it will be lessened, but it'll never completely go away because there are yeah. some people who don't give wit one about the weather when it comes to Eagles pregame action. And it, the shame of it is today is probably the best tailgate day of the year other than that because it's a Sunday, right, and it's a night game. So you have all day to tailgate right Correct. up to the game. 
Uh, I will say it makes it a little bit harder getting up for work the next day. Oh, yeah. Sunday at (laughs) 1, you got recovery time. You can get to work on that. Sunday, not getting out of the Link parking lot till almost midnight does make it a little bit more difficult the next day. And just to complete a rant that I've done many times, getting getting in and out of the parking lots there is the single most inefficient thing in this town. It's horrible every single week. I don't know why nobody... Th- like works to make it better, but I think they just don't care. Last thing I want to say, uh, if you're coming down, we have a great pregame show tonight. All the usual gang of idiots, of course. But in addition to that, it's Hall of Fame night. Um, and two terrific Eagles are getting into the Eagles Hall of Fame. Hold on, I just want to check. Yep, Hugh Douglas and Trent Cole will be joining us at 7.30 on the pregame show tonight. So if nice. you uh, do get the chance, Hugh, always entertaining. Trent Cole, a great player. So we'd love to see you there. 215-592-9494 with Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Macnow. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow on a Sunday in Eagles football Sunday. Eagles Packers tonight. We've talked pretty much exclusively about that so far. At the top of the hour, I want to get into some baseball uh, because there is nobody whose opinion I respect on the sport more than Jody Mack. I have the names of two players I think I'd like to see the Phillies look at. Names that haven't come up a lot and see if Jody thinks that makes any sense. But let us take a moment, Jody, to look at the other franchises in town and start with a team that has now dropped 10 games in a row. Oh, and by the way, for the third time in about a year. Yikes. Um, it is unbelievable. Remember, the Flyers got up to a good start there. They are now 0-7-3 in their last 10, 2-8-4 in November. And I know they got a lot of injuries, right? Whatever, five of their top six forwards or whatever are hurt. But they got they got no depth. They got no juice. They you know, The juice is coach. But other than that, they're horrible. Um, and I, I, I posted last night on Twitter, I know we've been through the process. And I know the Phillies had like a decade of in really when you and I started working together between like 1994 and 2000 and whatever. But I don't know that I've ever seen a team that has a thorough entire combination of horrible play, lack of any kind of good storyline for the future and empty arena as the Flyers have right now. They've just disappeared from the map. Yeah, the process was worse, but that's probably the process was. And I'm, you know, I don't like the process any more than you, but the process was at least a storyline that people followed, and you could talk about it. You like it, you hate it. This team, that's like they don't even exist anymore. Apathy is uh, more so uh, relevant with the Flyers and the Sixers. All right, I get, I get, I guess it all depends on your perspective. Uh, To me, not trying to win and and flaunting it. Uh, is more outrageous than just being incompetent and bad. But I, I get this storyline that you got, you're got you trying to portray. And I'll take a hit here, shame on me, because uh, I don't know if you and I had started doing shows uh, after uh, Ray walked away. I think we did, and we talked about the Flyers. And I was questioning the Tortorella hire. Because I know Tortorella. I, yeah, yeah, uh, you had some experience with that. I did uh, with the Rangers and the like. And I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but he's a very specific type of coach. And I thought that the hiring smacked of worry that this will be irrelevant. You just said it. The storyline of the Flyers is the coach. How sad is that? 
Yeah, that there bad. isn't one player that you can uh, put your hooks into that you go, well, yeah, but I like this guy, and I'm watching because I like him. Because no, You're going to watch for the coach standing on the sideline, behind the yeah. glass, on the I bench? I mean, Carter Hart kind of, but Carter Hart doesn't matter when there's nobody playing in front of him. You just watch him get peppered with pucks till they go by. Right, and I, uh, thank you for uh, moving me along there because that's where I was going. When they hired Tortorella, I kind of rolled my eyes and said, okay, I'll go. I always come into it optimistic. It can work. Let's give this a chance. I hate people who shoot something down. Nick Sirianni, after his first press conference, should be fired because he didn't handle himself verbally well. Can we let him coach a couple of games first? And I did the same thing with Tortorella, but I certainly voiced my questioning as to whether he fit the Flyers roster. And darn if they don't get off to a good start. And I said, I might have to eat some crow here because this might have been a really good hire. Now in 2020 hindsight, yeah, Carter Hart stood on his head for the first three weeks of the season. And I was believing that the defense was better, that they were getting the puck out of the zone, something that I've just agonized over the Flyers the last two years, their inability to get the puck out of their own zone. No, uh, Carter Hart just went nuts for three weeks. He's unfortunately come back down to earth because he's playing at a level that just was unsustainable. And, yeah, no, now Tortorella doesn't look like a fit, and he's not going to be able to save this ship. Glenn, it's ugly now, and I don't see a silver lining down the road. Mm-mm, I don't. I don't I, I don't see any hope anywhere, uh, you know, unless they're bad enough to win the lottery and get the best player, but they're not quite that bad, which is why. Okay, the Sixers. Um, and the Sixers have won a couple of games without Joel Embiid and James Harden and Tyrese Maxey and more power to the guys on the bench. Good for them. Um, so maybe it makes what I'm about to say old news because this came out, I believe, last Sunday. I hadn't had a chance to talk about it. Zach Harper covers the NBA for the Athletic, and he ranked all NBA coaches vis-a-vis the hot seat. Who's the most secure? He's the least secure. And in last place, or first place, depending on how you look at it, Doc Rivers. And he wrote, right when Daryl Morey took over the 76ers, a lot of people around the NBA wondered if Rivers was long for this position. The odd thing was it came four weeks after Rivers had accepted the Sixers' head coaching job. They brought in James Harden for Ben Simmons. They brought in more of a Morey-esque team. And the rumors whispers have been that once the Sixers hit a downturn, Morey would have a more Morey-like head coach. That's not easy to read. That could all be hearsay or conjecture, but Rivers is still at the top of these odds for coaches most likely to be fired next. You agree? Not even close. With a lot of things that Zach Carper wrote. And I think he's a really good NBA writer. I've had Zach on my national shows over the years, and I think he's really good. But I think he's got the complete wrong read on this. What is he talking about? Doc Rivers was a major mover and shaker in getting Daryl Morey here, they went back to Boston together. Morey was with the Celtics when Doc won his one championship there. And I know for a fact that Doc Rivers lobbied heavily to get Daryl Morey here to Philadelphia. So the way that he described the relationship between those two, I think is woefully inaccurate and not true. Now, he may still be right that Doc Rivers is on the hottest seat in the NBA, but not because Daryl Morey's got to get a Daryl Morey guy. No, a Daryl Morey guy helped to get him here to Philadelphia, and his name's Doc Rivers. So his whole backstory as to why it could happen, I don't agree with a little bit. Now, is Doc on a hot seat? Yeah, he is. 
because he came here, the Sixers went out and got Daryl Moore, they went out and got James Harden to do more than get beat in the second round of the playoffs. And it hasn't happened. So that is the bottom line, and that's the most important thing you're going to analyze and emphasize if you are the owner of the 76ers. Relationships are how we got to here, be darned. They need to have a major playoff run. He's not going to be fired in season, and these last couple of games of playing injured and Maxie being out now for a period of time is just going to buy the coach. They're not going to fire him while his three best players are sitting on the bench in street clothes. But at the end of this season, oh, yeah, Doc, Doc Rivers is very much on the clock this year, um, not for the reasons Zach Carper stated, Doc. All right, my last question in this, and I want to sneak in a phone call or two before the break. Is the Ben Simmons issue over now? He came back this week. Uh, was that Tuesday or Wednesday? I'm sorry. The days blend together for me now before Thanksgiving. Um, he played pretty well. It didn't matter. Um, Sixers won. And maybe it's because Embiid, Harden, and Maxi weren't there. So it was a, it's kind of a weird game. But I felt like people were like, eh, okay, we're done. I was surprised, and I watched the game on TV. I would have. I was on WIP that night, so uh, me going down to the game was not uh, uh, possible. Uh, I did. Uh, oh, I filled in for Joe Gillio, um, so I was on the air when the game started. Howard did hour number one, and then ran down to the arena. Uh, mm-hmm. So I had to get Howard out of there by seven o'clock. So it was seven thirty tip, so the king could be in his spot to be able to watch that game. Um, so I didn't, uh, I couldn't judge it any more than anybody else. I couldn't even turn up the TV, but I got several calls and several writers that I trust reported afterwards. They gave him the business. Certainly when he went to the foul line, they were screaming for their chicken nuggets for him to brick two free throws <laughs> in a row, but it wasn't near as vitriol filled as some thought it might've been, including yours truly. I thought it really was just going to be a scream, yell, curse fest the entire night, and it wasn't. It probably have something to do with the Sixers not being at full strength. And mm-hmm. uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna scream and yell and bury this guy, and then we're gonna turn around, and beat by twenty points. That's not gonna look good for us. So your uh, own mind might have worked against it. Um, yeah, it's it's now uh, further in the rearview mirror. When next he comes, he'll be booed again. He'll be booed from now until whenever, um, but not with the amount of uh, angst and, and the level of uh, annoyance that there was previous to. And, oh, by the way, the Sixers won the game. So, all right, fine. You got off light, Ben. Be thankful. Good luck. We'll see you again later in the year when you come back and break some more free throws. Yeah, I think that's about right. I don't, uh, I don't disagree with you. Josh in Nicetown is with us. Hey, Josh. Hey, Matt. Uh, now, this, this, is my, this, this is my thing. Um, Marcus Brady mm-hmm. was a great hire. Okay, I don't give the advisor to the defensive coordinator thing, and I think it's a sense of urgency. I think over the last couple of weeks, I think uh, you know. The, uh, Let me the, just tell know, people what's going on in case they're not familiar with it. Marcus Brady was uh, a coach under Frank Reich in Indianapolis who lost his job. Oh, he was offense coordinator. Eagles hired him uh, this past week as an offensive, as, excuse me, as a consultant working with defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon to prepare how um, opposing offenses are going to attack the Eagles' defense. I think I got that right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get. I don't. I don't accept that one. I don't believe that one. I think 
Steichen makes them a little nervous. I think if you got a chance to the Super Bowl no. or the you know the conference title, you don't leave it in Steichen's hands. I, I, I think I don't I don't think that's right because Nick, you you have Nick as kind of the coach above the offensive coordinator. I don't. He he is. You you think they're lying when they say they brought him in to work with Gannon to say, okay, if I'm the other team's offense, here's what I'm going to do against you. You think they're that's a lie? I believe that's a fake, a blunt face lie. Wow, I, I do not, Jody. Not even close. I, well, and and he said they. Who's they? They did this to get to your, I think, misguided conclusion, but I'd really like to know who they are. I, I think Howie. I, you know, I, you know Howie is the, the, the So Howie fan. doesn't trust Steichen. No, I, I don't think he does. Okay. I don't think – I think he, he's quite nervous on the play calling. He, I, it looks like he's going to get his quarterback hurt. I think this is a, this is a rouge. I think – All right, this, then here's – well, hold on. Here's, here's where they could have solved your, in my opinion, non-existent problem. Why didn't they bring Frank Reich in? I, I think that would have been premature. You know what I mean? I think uh, the, 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 the right call on this one for now – and I'm not talking about next year, but for now, this was the right call. Yeah, I, I, I disagree with you, and, and Josh, I appreciate the call. I think what it is is they see themselves as a team with a real opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Is there anything else we can do to make ourselves better? How about we do – I mean, it's in a sense self-scouting. We have somebody from the outside – well, I guess it's not self-scouting from the outside, but whatever. You have somebody come in and say – Okay, if I'm going against you, here's what I'm doing with this team. Like next week, the Titans, right? I got Derrick Henry. I got Tannehill. Here's what I'm doing against you. Although, Jordan, I guess that one's pretty self-evident. <laughs> I guess we know what they're going to do. But and, and to me, it's a nice it's a nice addition. It probably didn't cost them much. The guys, you know, unemployed, being paid right. for the year, friends with the coach. Smart move. That's it. Yeah, it's tinkering. That's what it is. It's not, oh, my God, they don't really trust the play caller on this team. And if they did, they'd bring in an extra play caller, a guy yeah. with offensive expertise, not a defensive guy. I'm sorry. His argument made no sense to me. 215-592-9494. Excuse me. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now, going to work a little baseball into the next segment. I'm going to run something by Jody, see if he thinks I'm crazy. Might happen. Jody and Glenn on 94 WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Sunday morning, 94 WIP. Gillow's Packers tonight. You can reach us at 215-529-9494. Best caller of the day is judged by our producer, Francisco Rojas. Wins a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports. Um, I want to work some baseball in, Jody Mack. Cool. And Qu I... uh, one quick question first before you do. What yeah. do you call our producer? Francisco Rojas. So you call him Francisco? Yeah. Okay. What do you call him? Well, uh, our buddy Ricky Ricardo calls him Cookie. Cookie Rojas! Oh, uh, well, Cookie Rojas was a utility player, second baseman with the yes, Phillies. And I think he ended up being a broadcaster for the Marlins, which might be why Ricky knows him better uh, back in the day. He was on that... That infamous 64 team that uh, fell apart. I Yikes. somewhere, 
I don't know what years he played, but he played later in 64 because I started collecting baseball cards in the late 60s. And somewhere have a baseball card of Cookie Rojas in my attic. And all I remember about him is that he wore glasses. And when I was 10 years old, I found it very unusual for an athlete to wear glasses. Right. I think I had a Cookie Rojas with glasses baseball card in my collection at one point. I said, there you go. What happens if the ball bounces up and catches him in the glass? Yeah. He's well, he was a good glove man. So I Those guess same was... stupid lines that you do. Uh, no, the reason I ask is I think a couple weeks ago, and, and we, we love having Fran – on as our producer because Fran. I don't yeah that's what he that's Franny what he told Rojas? me he said most of his no, friends no call him Fran that's okay. not true it's a mix of Fran and Francisco that's for whatever okay you guys do whatever you want you get to go by but, you know but no Frankie either uh, only Ricky's allowed to call well him so Jody your name is Joseph correct the formal name yes yeah so and people call you Jody his no, name is Francis. I, I, I Fran Mr. Rojas can be called anything he wants. It's just I forget and I get confused and then I call him something that he doesn't really get called by anybody else other than Ricardo because I could call him Cookie, I guess. Uh, and I feel badly about it. So I was just checking with you to see what you called him so I don't call right. him something to annoy him down so the road because do. I've done it a couple times already. All right. So let's settle this. Mr. Rojas. Yes. By what name would you prefer to be called? Fran? Franny, I'm guessing not. Uh, no, definitely Francisco not or Cookie, you you or something else, and or we'll Frankie, do it. no, or Frank, Frankie. I usually don't allow Frankie, Frankie. Rogers, <laughs> uh, Frankie Red. You know what? How about you guys pick one of those three? I'll let you guys pick. see. No, he's like, done no, this to me no, before. No, I ask look, him I, what he wants me to call him, and he goes, "I don't know." You pick, and then I call him something else. And he goes, "Yeah, but I don't really go by that." So that's why I'm asking the question. Uh, I, I like Francisco. I think that's a very cool name. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. You're right, Jody. He is it's being all, rather. It's all his. I just don't evasive. want to offend the guy, and I've already done it like four or five yeah. times. So um, I'm wondering if I'm the only one. Uh, I'm going with Francisco. Or uh, occasionally Franny when I want to annoy him. Or, or Cisco. Oh, he doesn't like that one either. Oh, why did you have to bring that up? All right. Uh, <laughs> the Cisco kid? Um, Francisco, did I, uh, when I sent you the notes yesterday, ask you to hold on to the sound of one particular home run, or did I forget I, to do that? I got it right here. Let's play it. Two balls, two strikes to Bryce Harper. Suarez delivers. Swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's going. Yes! And it is gone. Yes. yes. It is Bedlam at the bank as Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top. Are you kidding me? His 10th career home run of the postseason. And he may never hit a bigger one. All right, Jody Mack. By that moment, joy was brought to the Delaware Valley. We moved toward onto the World Series. And um, Bryce Harper etched his name. Well, his name already was in the history of this town. But it's one of the biggest home runs we've ever seen. Yep. And enjoy it, because we're not going to get another one from him for quite a while. He underwent Tommy John surgery on Wednesday. Um, optimistically, he could be back as the designated hitter by the All-Star break. That's July. Maybe return to play right field toward the end of the regular season, let's say September. Um 
with hitters, Tommy John surgery doesn't take you out as long as pitchers. We saw Otani a couple of years ago get it in 2019, and he was the DH seven months afterwards. So we hope that Harper follows a similar path. But they're going to need, I think, help in the outfield. Right now your outfield is Schwarber in left, Brandon Marsh in center. Uh, right now it's Castellanos in right. Uh, you got Veerling. I'm not a big Veerling fan. Um, I'm uh, Nick Maton. I'm, that's it, right? That's that's your outfielder. So here's my th- here's my thought. Um, I'd rather see. I'd rather see. I, I, they got a lot of guys who play DH as part of the problem. So I'll stick with Schwarber and left Martian in center. And if I can open the season with Castellanos at DH until Harper gets back, to me, I'm helping myself. So. I would like to see them go for another outfielder in free agency. Are you with me so far? Mm, possibly. Depends okay. on the player that okay. you're talking about. Fair. They're not going to go for Judge or Nimmo or Ben Intendi. They're not going to go for the big names. Um, they're not. They certainly, I hope, will not go for guys who can hit but not field like a like a Michael Brantley. Right? That doesn't suit their purposes. No. So there are two names out there that I kind of like that I think could could help them and I think are both on the affordable side. One, I'll give you the less exciting one for or less controversial one first. Uh, Jerickson Profar, he's not a great hitter, but he makes contact. He takes walks. He's a very good defensive player. He can play all three outfield positions. He's got speed. Um, he's a lot of things they don't have, and I don't think he'll cost a ton or require a lot of years. He's on the youngish side for free agent. I think he's 29. Yep. I think that'd be a good signing for them. I like Profar as a player. Um, you mentioned the three outfield positions. He can also move back into the infield because that's who he came up yeah, with as, right. uh, as an infielder. So he gives you major flexibility. And the Padres kind of moved away from him as an infielder. He's been almost exclusively an outfielder the last year. Um, but uh, I don't know that that was by his choice or the Padres' choice. But I do know he wasn't a bad infielder when he was an infielder, so I'd like to add that value of we can plug and play wherever we need him, injuries happen and the like, and he's a real nice tool to have. It all depends on price tag. I think there will be some teams that will be willing to pay some pretty good money for a guy like him. Uh, to be either an everyday left fielder and or the jack-of-all-trades guy. If he fits into the Phillies' price range, I think he'd be an excellent addition. I like him a lot. Um, I'm just not sure. I think there are other teams that have a bigger role to be able to hand to him on a platter that might be more enticing if the price is the same uh, for uh, his services. Could happen. Lance. And listen, if he goes somewhere and gets a three-, four-year deal at big – I don't even know what's big money anymore because it's all – outrageous money but if he goes and gets a, a long-term deal at big money then I, i'm you're right i'm not out i'd love to give him two years three max maybe an option and and pay him moderate price he has he did he's not coming off of a particularly good year so maybe you'll be able to get him at at that kind of price so that's that's one the other one which i know is more controversial um is cody bellinger now hear me out here coming off two bad seasons we know that and it may be that he never gets back what he was the Dodgers just released him he's former MVP um he had a great postseason in 2021 coming off of a bad year heading into a bad year but he did have that moment 
even if he can't hit, he's a gold glover. He's a terrific defensive player. He didn't lose that. He could steal a base. Um, maybe Kevin Long is the kind of guy who can fix him. Philly's batting coach, who they just re-upped, just brought back, really did some good work with Brandon Marsh. Maybe he can figure out what's wrong with Cody Bellinger. I will anticipate that you may say some team is going to pay him too much. And again, if that happens and some team says, you know, we're going to ignore your last two years and give you a three-year deal at too much money, then I'm out. But if I can get him on a, a one-year prove-it deal or a one-year-with-an-option kind of deal, I he's how old is he? He's like 28. He's young. Um, he was so good, and he really fills a need for you. And I, I he's the kind of guy I think it could be a real um, revival story here in Philadelphia. Like it. He fits on a bunch of different levels. Let me once again be the uh, Grinch that stole possibilities for the Phillies. Yeah, here's what I think is going to happen with Cody Bellinger. He is going to sign a one-year deal with the team for in excess of $20 million per. Mm -hmm. I think a team will say, listen, Cody, you don't know, we don't know. Uh, we, we know that you've won an MVP. We know what is possible, but we haven't seen close to that in the last two years. We're willing to throw a bunch of money at you on a short-term deal and have you come in here and be, like, maybe our best player. Uh, that we want you to come in and go nuts. And then, yeah, surely we're going to talk about extending you, but if not, you're going to go back out onto the open market and you get all the money that you want. I'll give you an even a for instance as a team, an Arizona Diamondback team that's done nothing the last couple of years or brought their payroll down. They trade Goldschmidt. They go back into the market and say, let's do a one-year big buck because that's the only way to get a guy to come to a bad team like Arizona right now and make him our centerpiece. That's what I think is going to happen with Cody Bellinger. If I'm wrong, then, yeah, the Phillies absolutely should have interest because not only can he play the outfield – he also can play first base. Yeah, and very one well. of my major goals this offseason is to get Reese Hoskins off first base. I want to keep Reese Hoskins. I'll live with the up and down offense that is Reese Hoskins because when it's up, it's great. The down is just what you have to ride through, but I can't watch him play first base more. I just Do you, can't. Are you more intent in getting Reese Hoskins off of first than you are? In getting Castellanos out of right, because I'm, yes. I'm not. I know Castellanos yes. made those two plays in the world. He's got that one play down where he, he can he rush made, in and made catch it three the ball times in post. The end three, of the regular season and two in postseason. Oh, okay. He's got there the go. sliding left hand yeah. Yeah, out that's, that's catch it. down pat. He's yeah. great at it. Yeah, often because he gets a bad break on the ball and has to do that. But nonetheless, he's got that. But I think he's. You know what I mean? We're talking about the difference of getting mumps or measles, I suppose. Here, which one you want to get out of the field? I'll take either of them off the field. And to me, if I can take Castellanos, that's great. If if it ends up that they play Bellinger at first and they move Hoskins to DH, I would not object to that much either. Yeah, somebody may do that. Um, and I don't know who's going to do that. And the Diamondbacks are certainly a candidate to do that. Um, but, I mean, Middleton, it's easy for me to tell Middleton where to spend his $18, 20000000 million. But to me, this is a name that could really pay off in the long run, and given the uncertainty, we hate saying it, but the uncertainty of Harper, when's he coming back? How's he coming back? Is he going to have an effective season? 
Um, I do we agree that you cannot go into next year without adding something at first base or outfield. You you gotta you, you got you you gotta find a way to replace Harper. Agreed? Agreed. And okay. I, I floated this one. And mine is gonna come much less expensively than Cody Bellinger. I'd like to see them get a first baseman who they can throw out there and make Reese Hoskins basically the designated hitter till Parker till Harper comes back. That would be okay with me. And oh by the way, when they had their postseason media availability, I think that Dave Dombrowski kinda hinted at that. That he talked about Hoskins and he worked so hard and, but he's had his issue at first base. I think he kind of opened the door to, yeah, we'd really like to get someone who can catch the ball at first base. I'll give you a name. Eric Hosmer. Hosmer he can signed, field. He's can flat out field. He signed that big buck deal with the Padres. Didn't do as well coming over for Kansas City as the Padres expected. He was traded at the trade deadline. He was supposed to go to Washington in the big Soto uh, Bell deal. He's got a no-trade clause in his contract, oh, yeah. and he Turn said, no, 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 no. I don't want to go to the lousy stake of nationals. No, thank you. So they worked hard to get him elsewhere because they didn't want to have the new guys come in and this $13 million-a-year guy who's told, yeah, you're never going to play anymore. So they end up trading him to the Red Sox, which didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense because the nah. Red Sox had some first-base candidates. They've got a young kid, left-handed hitting kid, Cassis, that they want to turn the job over to. So he's still on their roster. And, oh, by the way, the Padres are paying 12 out of his $13 million. He's only making the major league minimum from the Red Sox. So that's why he's still viable as a trade chip. Now, the Red Sox gave up a marginal prospect in exchange for him. They can't expect anything more than a marginal prospect in return. Bring him to Philadelphia. His wife is an ex-Fox 29 host. Ooh. She's a Philly girl. By the Her way, parents... very good pull by you, that, that local relationship. I was unaware of that. Correct. And her parents still live here in uh, Pennsylvania. So there's a tie here to come to Philly. If he's going to be a part-time player, and that's all he's going to be with the Red Sox, and the Phillies tell him, listen, we're going to stick in first space. When Bryce comes back, we're going to make it up as we go along. Don't know, not guaranteeing you 550 at-bats, but come here. We're planning on playing your first base for the first three months of the season pretty much every day. You can get him for a song. You don't have to pay him squat. I think he'd be a guy that I would look to add. Um, he didn't, didn't, didn't do as well as expected in San Diego. I'm not telling you he's going back to, uh, his Kansas city days, but he's a viable everyday first baseman for half a season. That's the deal. I would look at it if I were Dombrowski. Um, it's okay. He doesn't, he doesn't have as much upside, uh, potential upside as, uh, Bellinger or I think oh, no. even Profar who are younger. You're right. He's free, which is, which is a big attraction. You get to go through the supermarket if, and take something get, for free. If you're that's good. Turner and Bo, Turner and or Bogarts free will be will be very nice at another position. Yeah, I I hear that. I you know again, if you're Dave Middleton and you got to figure out how to do it, you want to add some starting pitching and you need to add a relief pitcher as well. You don't want to spend money on this particular shortcoming, thinking well, I'm eventually going to have Harper back. I see the argument for Hosmer. I don't hate the argument for Hosmer. Um, I still, and he's a left-handed bat like Bellinger. I still personally would, I, I like the upside of a guy like Bellinger or 
I like the flexibility and skill set of um, my guy, my other guy, Bogarts, because not Bogarts, I'm sorry, Profar. Profar. Xander Bogarts and Jerickson Profar are just two weird names. Uh, a Profar, um, because I think that he would give the Phillies a lot of things they don't have. So, but I wouldn't be been out of shape. So we're not, you have no interest in, and I'm sure it's trying to think of the Conforto. A.J. Pollock, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, none of those guys do anything for you. No. Kiermeyer is phenomenal in center field. He might be the best defensive center fielder in baseball, but you've you've kind of cast your lot in center field at least yeah. for next year. Yep. So it all comes down to when you're acting. So I think that kind of squeezes a guy like Kiermeyer out. I like both your suggestions, Mac. They both make a lot of sense. It's you got to tie it to the other moves they're going to make. That's what Dombrowski's got to do. We can look at things individually, but I think he's going to have a specific amount that he can do this offseason. He did say in the media session that they're going to push the needle, which means their payroll is going to be even bigger next year than it was this year. But are you going to have to go to high 30s to get a shortstop done? Yes. If you do, yes. there's going to have to be trimming in other areas uh, of overall free agency payouts. I don't know if I asked you this. I think I may have, but I'll ask you it again. How do you rank those four free agent shortstops? I did ask for, you. But for I still the Phillies or overall? For the Phillies. For the Phillies. For the Phillies, Turner one, Bogarts two, Swanson three, Correa four. Just because Correa's signing is going to be hard because it's Boros and he already landed him for one year with opt-out so he could go back in, it's going to be a royal pain in the butt. He's arguably as talented as either of the yeah, other I love two, I love but him. I just think he's a bad fit here in Philadelphia, so I would put him fourth. I would put Turner one, Correa two. I hear what you say about Boros, but they've signed Boros guys before. Um, uh, Swanson four, and who am I forgetting is three? Who's the other one? Is Bogarts. Bogarts. Yeah, Bogarts and three, Correa four. Yeah. They got Dombrowski, a connection. Yep. Dombrowski has the Bogarts connection. And I think that's real. If Turner's price gets outrageous for even the Phillies, who I think are going to be one of the top bidders, I would bet good money Bogarts is the fallback position. Okay. Well, you know what? It's not a bad fallback position at all, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> Certainly take it. Hey, by the way, coming up at noon, we're going to talk to Zach Berman of The uh, Athletic about the Eagles game tonight. And we are ready to take your calls. 215-592-9494. Best caller of the day gets a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports. And uh, Franny, my sense is we have not yet had a caller that's running away with it. Am I correct? Like, I need I need better ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's wide open. So, And by the way, that's fun stuff, that shy stuff. Uh, Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. It's 1-5-5-9-2-94-94. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Eagles Packers tonight. Sunday night football at uh, Lincoln Financial Field. Should be raucous. Eagles against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. We talked some about that before. We'll, we'll get back into it. But Aaron in Norristown has got, I believe, just a hunch, a beef about the Flyers. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Hey, Aaron. Hey. Good. I hope you give me a minute to talk about this. First of all, they are no longer the Philadelphia Flyers. That is our team, and they are holding them in trust. In my opinion, I'm just going to call them the Comcast hockey team until they figure this out. I mean, the owner of the 76ers is doing a better job with the Devils this 2017 draft when we drafted Patrick and they had the number one pick than oh. we're doing. He is doing a better job with the Devils than Comcast is doing with the Flyers. This is so bad. That it's just it's it's incorrigible that they continue on this path 
without any responsibility, the general manager, the ownership. And, and I don't know how much we're supposed to deal with this anymore. It's got to end. I mean, I thought the Jay Snyder years were bad, but I pray for the Jay Snyder years compared to what we're dealing with right now. I mean, this, they, they're not the Philadelphia Flyers. Until Comcast figures it out, their team. It's the Comcast hockey team. When you want to give it back to us, I'll start calling you the Flyers again. But you want it, it's your team. I have won nothing to do with what that ownership group is doing with this team. Glenn, I know you're a big hockey guy. I want to know what you think. I think you said it brilliantly. I, I, the, the only quibble I would have you with you is uh, at least the Jay Snyder years got you Eric Lindros, although. Well, I said I'd I, pray for those years. Yeah, <laughs> the trade worked out well for Colorado as well, so, you know, or the Quebec, which became Colorado. Um, it is disgusting and despicable, and this has been a great hockey town since the Flyers entered the league, or at least since the 1970s when the Flyers burst on the scene with the Broad Street Bullies and you had Gene Hart in that era. Uh, through Bobby Clark and Bernie Perrant into the prop Kerr era, into the you know the 80s and the 90s and Lindorus Leclerc era, and even past that, and Roenick and so on. And it is a franchise that has a tremendously proud history, uh, had a great identity for decades, and had one of the most fervent, loyal fan bases, um, certainly of any team in the NHL, and maybe considering hockey's placement among the four major sports, it had an impressive uh, fan base um, that that appreciated that was appreciated by ownership and appreciated the ownership that Ed Snyder gave it. Even as we complained about Ed Snyder doing this and that, Ed Snyder was one of the great owners in sports. Um, it generally had good management. Um, they always played hard. That was the hallmark of the team. They never embarrassed you. They always put on a good product. They didn't junk it up with stupid mascots. And what you have seen over the course of the last, what do you want to say, five years is... Um, and, longer and, than that. Well, maybe yeah. it is longer than that, but I mean, I'm just, whatever. How many of you want to say what yeah. you've seen is a dismantling of a proud and glorious franchise that has chased away that fan base, and it is despicable what has happened. So, Aaron, I agree with everything you said, and you said it brilliantly. Jody, I, you know, if you want to add or disagree, please do. I do, um, and I'm not the hockey guy that you are, but I, I think I got a pretty good read on this, and I'm sorry to say I do think I was right. Uh, present day and taking the past into today. Present day. They hired Tortorella because he would drive interest, because he was an outspoken guy, because he could grab headlines on now websites rather than newspapers that's not what you want to do. you got to hire someone who fits your organization, who fits the roster that you have, and I just didn't think Tortorella was that guy. So that was just another bad sign for me as to where the Flyers sit as of right now. Um, you got here to Philadelphia just slightly before I did, but we've both been here 30-plus years. And the guy who epitomizes the Flyers for me during my 30 years, which is post-Broad Street Bullies, but kept an aspect of that while transitioning into what the National Hockey League has become has always been Rod Brindamore. Mm -hmm. I went down to yeah. Flyers games in the 90s, and there were more Flyer uh, Phillies, and when I say Philly, I mean female fans, um, wearing Rod Brindamore's jersey than any other player. More than Lindros, more than LeClaire, more than Rod Brindamore's jerseys were worn by more female Philly fans, Flyer fans, than anybody else. And Rod Brindamore's face looked like a train wreck. 
He was always, his nose was on the left side of his face. He just, he epitomized the tie, which should have been the transition from the Board Street Bullies to the new National Hockey League because Ye was tough, Ye was gritty, but Ye was skilled too. And he could score a key goal at a key time. When was the last time the Flyers had a Rod Brindamore, Macman? Uh, well, no, they hey, have, if I, they may, I agree with you, Jody. If I may add one more thing. The Flyers started the sports revivalry in the early 70s um, when before any of the other teams were good in the golden age of Philadelphia sports from 73 to 85 when we were in most – in every sport we were in contention for 12 years. We were in so many finals and conference finals. That team epitomized and had the heart and soul of the city. They literally taking the one – heart and soul of more than any other franchise and ripped our heart and soul with a general manager who now has five 10-game losing streaks. Yeah. It's just literally impossible to do. It is so unacceptable. They are not the Flyers. They are the Comcast hockey team. Let us know when we can have our team back. Sell the damn team to somebody who cares about hockey because hockey is different than the other three sports. It is a fan-based oriented sport and you have lost your fan base. Aaron, it's a great rant. Good job. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, I, I saw yesterday, the day before on Twitter, it was the anniversary of um, Ron Hextall getting fired as general manager. And, um, you know, he made a lot of mistakes. Um, Fletcher has now been there here, I believe, as long or longer than Hextall. And Fletcher's made every wrong move. Um, and it's the, they're going to have to fire him at the end of the year. And they're going to have to start all over. And I have no faith, no faith, I mean, kind of mirroring uh, what Aaron is saying, that this ownership is going to get it right in the next guy they hire. It's it's really a shame because, I mean, I, I'm going to start repeating myself. All these years, such a vibrant, important, relevant franchise, and big within the league, Jody, right? You grew up right. in New York. The Flyers meant something. I grew up Legit. in Buffalo. Yep. The Flyers were an important team. Whether you loved them or hate them, and you probably hated them, they matter. There are franchises in sports that matter. You know them, right? I mean, the Cowboys, good or bad, the Cowboys matter. Um, you know, I mean, we can go through them, and you know what they are. The Flyers were one of those teams, and now the Flyers, the Flyers are the Columbus Blue Jackets of the East Coast, and that should not be. But do you need me to put a smile on your face, Mac Man? It doesn't hurt. The Green Bay Packers were once that franchise in the National Football League. They are not that this year coming to town to take on the Eagles. <laughs> that's, that's true. Hey, um, I have no other place to fit this in, so I'll ask you this now. Are you or anyone in your family watching the World Cup? My daughter is, yes. Is that right? Yeah, because she's got, uh, I said this a couple times on my solo shows, on uh, elsewhere and here on WIP during the week. I was ready when my daughter was born 20-some-odd years ago to become a soccer dad. I was never a soccer guy, didn't play soccer, didn't follow soccer, um, but uh, it was a young, up-and-coming sport. My daughter was born, and I was ready to get out there and scream and yell and stand on the sidelines. She just never chose it. She didn't choose to become a soccer player. A lot of her basketball-playing friends and teammates were also soccer players. So she's always gone to soccer games and followed soccer because of her friends. She never played, never wanted to play, never uh, got out on the pitch. But she is a quasi-soccer follower because of her friends. So, yes, she is following the World Cup. Oh, nice. Um, I've watched a little bit. Um, I, I mean, you know, there's no secret that I'm not a soccer fan, uh, nor am likely to become one. But I do love a world event. Um, 
My son was in for the weekend. My son Ted was in from Boston for the for um, Thanksgiving, and his son, my grandson, is very into it. He's not even particularly a, a, a soccer fan. I guess he he does play some soccer, but he he loved the pageantry of it and the countries and the so on, and he knows all. The, he's looking at the globe, at the countries, and so on, and he's watching all the uniforms and so on. It is a great spectacle. It really is. It's it's as I guess second only to the Olympics and maybe as good just in terms of being everybody's there. And one day the United States is playing well, and now they're going to play Iran. And I just I kind of like that aspect of it. I think I if the, I know this is going to I hope I'm not going to insult soccer fans. I love everything about it except the actual soccer. Uh, I know where you're coming from. I'll go ahead and upset soccer fans here. All that said, everything you just said being exactly right, the pageantry, the world aspect, and then you get a nil-nil tie. It just, I'm sorry, it deflates deflates me that they play to 0-0. And very quickly, my overall rant on soccer is the fact that you don't know how much time is left in the game. When we get to the end of the game, the referees know on the field and nobody else does. There's no clock telling you how much is left. And the explanation of, well, that's the way they've always done it just right. doesn't hold no. any water for me. No, dumb. That and the diving, which I saw the other day. But again, I, I don't want to turn off soccer fans or make them angry because I appreciate the event as a world event. It is very cool to see. So there you go. Same here. We, we tread a fine line on that one, Jody. We do. You and I have been talking about the 90s. It was going to be the next big thing oh, yeah. here oh, at the USA, yeah. which yeah. it didn't quite ever become. And then the aughts, because, as you said, that's appropriate because it's always 0 0. Did I chat? 215-592-9494. We have a good – we've actually worked all the sports in today. Certainly our main focus is on football, which we want to continue, and we want to talk to you. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. We watched the Eagles against Indy last week, Jody Mack, and um, it was a great final drive by Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. It was not a particularly great offense for the first three quarters, and – a good part of that, as we know, is that they lost uh, Dallas Goddard, who was having a terrific season. So, given, well, I'll ask you, do you anticipate you're going to get much of anything from the three tight ends left on the roster? Uh, Goddard-like, no chance. Enough that you can call on others to replace him, and they're just a kind of a side aspect of the offense. Yeah, I think they should be able to keep up okay. the type of offense they were playing. And I'm going to point at one particular guy, and this might not go over well. A.J. Brown has not played extremely well. After he set the bar as high as he did in the first six or seven games, we may have come to expect that every game. And there's a good couple of weeks in a row where he hasn't had many bust-out plays, including one And I got some pushback on this one when I was on WIP during the week. Uh, The fumble that he had the other day that could have cost the Eagles the game. Now they were able to get the ball back and Jalen went down and scored the game-winning touchdown. But that could have been a disastrous fumble he had. Was a very unlike A.J. Brown play. The guy's got flat-out sprinter speed And, oh, by the way, he's swole Batman, so when he catches it, he's supposed to run over defensive backs. He catches a ball coming across the middle in full stride, 
and he dead stops to try and make a move on a defensive back, that's not A.J. Brown. Now, the, the linebacker made a great play and punched the ball out, but the only reason he was capable of doing that was because A.J. Brown stopped on his own and tried to get too fancy and too cool. So if I'm looking for someone to replace Dallas Goddard today, his name's A.J. Brown. He is due for a big game, and he might have a bust-out performance against a less-than-stellar secondary for the Packers. Well, very interesting you said that, because where I was going to take that was, given that I don't think the three tight ends are going to give you any production, who has to make it up? And there were two names I was going to ask you, and one was A.J. Brown, and yes, he has not played uh, in the last few weeks as he did over the course of the first eight games. Now, um, a couple weeks ago in the game, he hurt his uh, ankle. Yep. And so it's like, okay, that happens. And I think he may have still been dealing with that last week. I'll take a little bit of a downturn, but yes, he needs to get back to as great as he was. That's important. Now, I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you did because you do your, um, your, your, it's not a podcast. What do you call that show? YouTube show, Birds 365. Yeah, you do your YouTube show, Birds 365, all the time. So I'm sure you guys discussed that he had the stomach bug this week. Um, And he missed practice on Thursday. He said, my Thanksgiving wasn't the best, man. I stayed in bed all day. (laughs) He wasn't able to eat all day on Thursday. He uh, had not eaten as of Friday afternoon when reporters kind of caught up with him in practice. I imagine he's going to get a lot of hydrating, a lot of rest, some IVs, the whole thing. And so you hope on Friday, he said, on a scale of one to 10, I'm about a three. Jody, I got to tell you, if I had that, whatever he had, I don't know if it was food poisoning or whatever, I'm not recovered by Sunday, but I am not an elite athlete at the age of 25. So that's a different story. I agree. He's one of the two that you really got to, he's really got to pick it up in the absence of your tight end because those three guys are going to give you nothing. I don't, I don't think stole and um, Jackson and uh, Calcaterra uh, Cal- are going to give you anything. Uh, and the other guy I think they got to start to find is Devontae Smith. Now, he had the one game back in week three where he was it's 169 yards and a touchdown. He was unbelievable, right? And that's the guy uh, we want to see. And, and to me, A.J. Brown's talent opens it up a little bit for Devontae Smith. He's only had four games this season where he's cleared 50 yards receiving. Um, early against the Colts, I thought Hertz was looking for him. Yep. And But it nothing really panned out that much. With Goddard out, and he's out at least another three games, I do think that if I'm playing defense against the Eagles, the number one guy I want to cover, or make sure to cover, is A.J. Brown. So maybe, just maybe, that means that Devontae Smith can be more a part of the offense. Um, I'm that's that's what I'm hoping. He did have six catches for seventy-eight yards last week. So yeah, he I think he held his uh, held up his end of the bargain last week. For me, AJ Brown did not. So you're right. You'd like to see even more because you believe that 100-plus yard uh, game is in there. Uh, I'll take over 50, which he finally got last week, which he hadn't done for four or five consecutive weeks. If you're making an overall statement about the Overall statement. I'm talking about the next few weeks I want him to be. We've seen seen signs of greatness from him. This is the opportunity to, like, this is the moment. 
right. This is not cut and dry, but sometimes the Eagle fans that you and I talk to on our phones here on WIP want to try and make it that. If it's an either-or situation, throw it more, more to A.J., more to Devontae, or more to Miles Sanders, and maybe a little touch of Boston Scott, although I'm still trying to figure out how Boston Scott became the (laughs) closer last week. Three consecutive handoffs, that still kind of boggles my mind. Uh, Maybe a little bit more in the, the, the bulk of the game rather than, at the very end of when it's hanging in the balance, hey, you haven't played for three quarters. So get in there and make the three biggest plays of the game. Um, which would you prefer to see the Eagles do tonight? Throw it to their wide receivers more and more efficiently or revert to last year? All right, Green Bay, here we come. We're going to run it right down your throats, and there's nothing you can do about it because we got the best offensive line in football. Well, you brought this up early in the show. Uh, what do the Packers do well and what do they do poorly on defense? They are, and see, here's the reason why I'll, I'll quote the numbers the same as you did, but I always take this with a grain of salt. If a team is bad at one thing, it affects the other. And you never really know yeah, unless yeah, you're going to yeah. break down think, game film every single yeah. week on what they do. If, uh, if a team's bad against the run, well, then other teams are going to pick up on that quickly enough in the season and they're going to do it and they're going to take advantage of it. So, therefore, the passing stats against them look good because nobody's trying to pass it against them because they're choosing to run the ball against them. So I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. Are their passing stats, the yards against them per game, one of the better ones in the National Football League because they stink against the run, or do teams run it against them because they know they can't pass it against them because they're at good defensively? All I know is the numbers are the numbers, and we're now uh, 12 weeks into the season so I would say the numbers hold water, and if I were the Eagles, I'd be willing to run the football a lot tonight. Yeah, I uh, don't disagree with you. And, and Sanders got a little bit lost in last week's game. I think he had 13 carries, and I think he averaged like three and a half yards a carry, which for he's he's been averaging five yards a carry throughout the year, and he's on pace for whatever, more than 1,200 yards. So, yes, this is a great opportunity for him tonight to really put uh, some yards on Green Bay, maybe a touchdown or two if you're playing your fantasy football. Uh, I'll mention another thing. I'll split the difference a little bit. He is not a part of the passing offense at all. And with Goddard out. Who, Miles? Yeah. I think he's caught 12 passes this year. Hmm? But the biggest play of the game was a pass to Miles Sanders. He didn't catch it. He drew a 30-plus yard penalty on it and did a nice job coming back to the football and selling it. He did. But at least they did attempt a pass to Miles Sanders. Right. Because I said the same thing as you. How are they going to fill in for Dallas Goddard before the game? And I said, let's see if they throw the ball to the backs out of the backfield more because it really hasn't been a part of their offense this year. Mac, I, I crunched the numbers. They've only thrown to the backs like, 36 times all year in the first 11 games. Attempts. Attempts. Pass attempts. Targets. Not completions, but attempts. Last year, year, 90 for the season. Yeah. So they're on pace this year to only target backs 50-some-odd times, which is a major drop-off. Why do you think that is? I don't – I really don't know. I mean, you know, the the argument in favor is because – you have more weapons at wide receiver in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, so you don't have to do it. The answer that I don't – the question I would ask without knowing the answer, is it because Jalen Hurts isn't particularly good at it? 
I see. I brought that up. I said that, and I got a lot again, a lot of pushback. I'm getting a lot of pushback these days. Yeah. No, you can't say that. Oh, I, I, you're there practice every know. single day. I can only judge by the games, and they haven't called those plays much at all this year. There's a reason for that, and I get it. You got AJ Brown. You added AJ Brown, which is going to take just pass attempts away from your running backs. But it truly hasn't been a big part of the Eagles' offense this year. No, um, and I'll give you. I'll give you the other. And now you have more reason to do it. Goddard out. You have you have better reason to do it. I'll give you the other explanation uh, that my partner, other partner, John McMullen said, and I think uh-huh. it holds water. They got Jalen Hurts, so if you are going to look for a six or seven yard play on third and four, just go ahead and let Jalen take off. Rather than, yeah, we'll actually have to risk it. Some can have, could get tipped. The guys could drop the ball. You think it's going to be an effective play? Or we could just let Jalen run with it. Here's the only reason why I don't think that's the complete answer. Jalen was a quarterback last year, too, and they still threw it 90 times. And Jalen could run last year, too, and they still threw it 90 times. I don't know that it's, well, we'll let Jalen do it because he's as good at it uh, running the football as he is. But maybe that's part of their line of thinking. Well, maybe. But I will use a screen pass other than on third and four, right? There's nothing wrong with a first down screen pass or a second down screen pass. And I don't need Jalen to run more than he's running, um, right? One of the things that they cut down over the course of this season is how many times he's run. He ran a lot last week toward the end because they needed it, and that was good. It worked. But if you remember, the first week or two, he was getting like 18, 15 carries a game, and Mm -hmm. nobody wants that. So I don't know, but here's, uh, you know, the history of the Eagles, and I understand this is not Andy Reid coaching, and this is, you know, this is, we have different coaches now than we have, but from LaShawn McCoy to Deuce Staley to Ricky Waters to whoever, keep going back, this, they've always, we've always had running backs who could catch the ball and run. I don't know that the answer is they don't have faith that Miles Sanders can do it, but I think it's a great play. And here's the thing, Jody. Coming up next, we got Zach Berman from The Athletic. And I'm going to put the ball on the tee and ask you to hit it so that he can answer that very question. Because I bet he's good. got a good opinion. And I just want to add one more. Maybe the best during my 30 years in Philadelphia catching the ball out of backfield. And nobody thought they could oh. do it when they drafted him out of Ohio State. Oh, okay, yeah. Keith Byers. It was great. Was, was great. great catching the ball out of backfield because he would invite contact. He he wasn't a scat back we thought of we think of now in the NFL a running back to catch the ball out of the backfield. Oh, that wasn't Byers. Byers would just catch it and then power pass tacklers and turn it up the field and get first downs. He was a fullback in the best sense of the word. And I left out the other guy who was the other best guy, which was Brian Westbrook. That's who very I, true. Who I believe caught ninety passes one year or something. Other than Zach Ertz. No one has caught more passes in one season for the Eagles than Brian Westbrook. So that's, let me not ignore his greatness. That's why I can't say that Donovan McNabb was very good at it because I kind of think it was Brian Westbrook was very good at it. I, I don't know that it was great Donovan reads and or touch passes and or leading him. Westbrook was just that good. Just get it to him, Donovan, and we'll uh, turn it into a big uh, play. You make guys miss, and he always did. Yeah, love that player. 215-592-9494. We will get Zach Berman. We'll ask him that and all kinds of other things coming up. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now. Sunday, as morning turns after into afternoon on 94 WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now. It is a Eagles Sunday as a host to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers tonight in Sunday Night Football. Kickoff at 820. 
uh, a guy who does a great job covering this team and the NFL, uh, esteemed colleague Zach Berman joins us. Zach, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Well, same, same to you, you and your lovely family. And uh, Jody and I were just talking about something um, which we didn't know the answer to, so I'm going to let Jody pose it to you. Glenn and I both looked at the numbers for the Eagles this year, amount that they've thrown the ball to a uh, back out of the backfield. And I thought that it could be a bigger part of their game this past week against the Colts because no Dallas got it. How are you going to replace Dallas Scott? Well, maybe you throw the ball to the backs out of the backfield. And one of the biggest plays was an attempted pass to Miles Sanders, which ended up being a pass interference, so it wasn't necessarily a catch, but it certainly added to the uh, drive that gave the Eagles the lead. Why have they thrown less to the backs this year than previous? We can go previous Eagles history, but most important is since Sirianni took over and with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback last year, so the continuity of the quarterback and the head coach and the play calling, why do you think they've thrown it to the backs less? Yeah, I think the answer is fairly simple. Before the season, Nick Sirianni brought the whole team into the auditorium and he went over everyone's role. And what he said then was that the passing game goes through A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. And they, I, 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 I said on the show during the summer, their target share was going to be like a big three in basketball where the usage rate is so high. Uh, and that's the way it's played out. Now, last week was a different story, obviously, without Goddard on the field. And they did a few things there, but it was, it was, it was more of a, a run-heavy game. Um, but the easy answer for it, and it's, it's, it's the actual answer, is that the passing game goes through those three guys and then – Everyone else is is it basically gets the leftovers. Look at Quez Watkins, someone who was really productive for them last year, and has, and has had games with no catches and no targets. Okay, uh, fair enough. It will be interesting. You know, one of the three obviously Goddard not there for at least the next three weeks. Be interesting to see if maybe that does alter a little bit. Zach Berman is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at zberm. Zach and I have an event we're going to be doing together soon. We'll bring that up in in a moment. Um, Zach, Eagles made an interesting move this week in uh, hiring uh, Marcus Brady, who was the Colts' offensive coordinator, lost his gig there when Frank Reich uh, left, brought into, as I understand it, kind of, well, help explain how opposition offenses would attack the Eagles' defense. I have that right. Rather than me suppose it, tell us what his job is here and what you see as his future. Yeah, so he, he obviously has a, a background with members of the staff, Nick Iriani among them. Uh, and, and so you see this a, a lot where a consultant works with the other side of the ball. So, so basically you, you, you work with the defensive coaches, the defense coordinator in particular, and say, all right, this is how we would attack you, right? And, 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 and these are the things we would do if we were game planning against you. So uh, it's, it's not ab- abnormal to have an offensive coach consult with a defensive coordinator and vice versa. I suppose the timing of it's abnormal, but you often don't see offensive coordinators with a background you're familiar with fired midseason. So my guess is that's the impetus of it. Um, and as far as the future, I, I, I would anticipate – that their staff movement this offseason, the Eagles are a good team that, that the rest of the league is, is, is taking an interest in. And I got to imagine there's, there's going to be head coach interest, there's going to be coordinator interest. And uh, so it's, it's something to watch out for there. But at, at this point, I would think it's, it's, it's just an assistant helping out, uh, uh, helping out the coaching staff. 
Zach, kudos to Howie Roseman. The Eagles, couple weeks running, had been a team that looked like they could definitively be run to get run against without Jordan Davis in the lineup. Boom, he goes out and gets Linnell Joseph and Damon Kinsu just waiting to sign a contract. Ends up getting them both here in Philadelphia, and Joseph ends up playing 40% of the snaps. They got a combined sack in the game, which isn't really the – well, Sue has been a guy who can get pressure on the quarterback, get sacks from the middle. Linnell Joseph never has been. He's just been a, uh, a run stopper. You saw this coming, huh? You, you knew that Howie Roseman was just waiting to do this and plug these guys in and get that kind of production off three days of meetings, right? <laughs> well, I, I, the, the latter part, I, I couldn't tell you, right, that, that they would get this guy and in three days of meetings he would come in and have the production that he did. But in over a decade covering Howie Roseman's teams, I can tell you that, that there's very seldom a day goes by when – that's not on his mind. What can he do to upgrade the team? Um, and you know, there have been times when he's, he's, he sat on his hands because the opportunity wasn't right. But I do think they, they've seen throughout the past few weeks, you saw it with the Quinn trade, you saw it with these signings, that, that, that they're in it, that they have an opportunity. And to me, this is the type of move that you make when you think that you know, you're a legitimate contender and you just need a piece. You just need – to plug this piece here. And, and, and so that's essentially what they did. And at some point, Jordan Davis is going to be back here and they'll have to figure out that rotation. But considering what their depth was when Jordan went down, uh, this is a good situation the Eagles have. It is a good situation. Zach Berman is our guest. Zach is the author, by the way, of Underdogs, the Philadelphia Eagles' emotional road to Super Bowl victory. A great read for the ages. Zach and I are going to be doing a book signing together Wednesday, December 7th. Jeez, that's just like a week away now. Uh, 6.30 to 8.30 at Puddler's Kitchen. It happened Bridgeport. You get all your holiday shopping done. Ray Dinger's going to be there with his book. Zach, uh, Mike Sealski, I am Swag from Shy Vintage Sports, Carl's Cousin Collectible, and Charlie Manuel's uh, charitable T-shirt company is going to be involved, plus great beer, Three to Cal in Bridgeport. Okay, you and uh, Bo Wolf, who do a nice job together, did a back-and-forth column the other day asking each other questions, which is good because then I can just ask you those same <laughs> questions. Who is the one player who must take his game to a different gear during the final stretch? I said Robert Quinn because the player <laughs> be nice. that Eagles fans have seen here during the past few weeks is frankly not the player who you know, the NFL world has seen over the past few years. Uh, they they need him to get more pressure. They they need to get him on the field more. They need to get teams in, in obvious passing down. Um, the it's kind of worked out that the Eagles haven't been playing with these big leads recently. When they acquired Quinn, they had a double digit lead in every game this season, and I think that's really when you're going to see Quinn make his mark. There's there's going to be a late December game or potentially a playoff game when the Eagles need a critical pass rush late in the game, and you have Quinn on the field, um, but Based on what we've seen the past three weeks, they need his his game and him to go into an extra gear. To think they give up a fourth-round pick for him and only had to give up a fifth and a sixth for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, kind of the yin and the yang of the Howie Roseman deals this year, one steal and one what looks like an overpay right now. But, yeah, we've got six games to go. We'll see if Quinn can make a dent. All right, uh, Glenn and I started the show today talking about Aaron Rodgers and where he's at and the past week of him admitting he's playing with a broken thumb, 
I thought a little convenient that he happened to bring it up at this week with the Eagles who are going to get after him uh, on the sked. And if they lose, chances are their season is going by the wayside and they're not making the playoffs. What Aaron Rodgers are the Eagles getting today? Well, if, if you look at these, these past few weeks, um, you're not getting the one we, we've seen the past two years when he was MVP. But I can tell you, in that locker room, and, and this is not just you know, you know, guys saying nice things, just in conversations with, with people, it comes up, it's still Aaron Rodgers, right? Like they, they still respect what, what, what he can do, um, what he's done throughout his career, and that's what worries you. You, you saw in the Dallas game, it wasn't a vintage Aaron Rodgers performance in the sense that they ran the ball real well, he didn't have to throw too much, but he, he can beat really good teams. He has it in him. And uh, I'm fascinated to see how this game goes because one of the criticisms or the questions, I should say, about this Eagles defense is they haven't really faced those top-level quarterbacks. Well, if you look at the way those top-level quarterbacks played against the Eagles last year, mm-hmm. taking what's there, having those methodical drives, Aaron Rodgers is willing to do that. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, and, and he is the guy who has done that. Uh, stealing another question from what you guys uh, did in your column, you and Bo Wolf, who is the Eagles' biggest threat in the NFC, and which team should they want to see in the postseason? Yeah, so I, I think Dallas is the biggest threat, and that's it's 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 not going on a limb to say it, but that's a, a real good team who gave the Eagles all that they can handle at home. With it, you know when the Eagles were at home and Dallas was playing with their backup quarterback. Uh, it could be a different conversation when Dak Prescott's on the field. They're uh, they're a, a deep team. They're they're complete in the, in the sense that they can run the ball, they can pass the ball, they have, that they can get after the quarterback. Um, so that would be the team that that is the biggest threat. And then I would just watch out for San Francisco because even if they don't have the same level of quarterback play, that's an experienced team that can beat you so many different ways. And then as as, as far as the second part of that question, if you're an Eagles fan, and I imagine everyone listening is. You want to see Seattle or the Giants in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll get yeah. two good looks at the Giants before they get here, so uh, we can we can put that opinion on pause. It may be strengthened or it could be weakened, depending on what they do against the Giants. But let me double down, Zach. Put them in order. A NFC championship game to be played at Lincoln Financial Field. Eagles finish with the best record in the NFC this year and win their first-round playoff matchup. Who would you rather see come in, the Cowboys or the 49ers, here to Philly to earn a trip to the Super Bowl? Who who would you fear more out of those two teams? I would I would fear Dallas much more. Um, really? Because of, of of the quarterback play, right? Jimmy G, look, he's he's done it. He's been to the Super Bowl. He was uh, a quarter away from from winning it. But uh, what would worry me more in the playoffs is is a high level quarterback. And I think Dak Prescott can uh, is, is 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 that type of player. So the Cowboys would would worry me based on the quarterback differential. Zach, we um, Jody and I talked earlier today about um, kind of the relationship between Sirianni and Hertz. You see it much closer on a regular basis than we do, um, and we we all kind of know what a coach quarterback combo can mean for each other. We certainly saw it with Reed and McNabb. Here you see it around the NFL. You're with these guys all the time. What do Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts mean for each other? Well, they, they, it's, 
you know, the interesting thing about them is it was an arranged marriage, right? Oftentimes, you <laughs> you you see these coaches come in and they pick their quarterback. Um, Nick Sirianni didn't come into a situation where he drafted a quarterback or he signed a quarterback. It, it was Jalen Hurts is the quarterback who's 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 here, and frankly, Jalen plays a different style is a, is is a different quarterback than what he's been than the best quarterbacks he's had in his system, whether it was Philip Rivers, whether, you know, Andrew Luck could, could, could run the ball well, but it was, it was a different offense. And Nick has really adapted to Jalen and Jalen's done a really good job taking coaching. And what, what they have in common is they're both coaches sons. They both grown up in a very similar way around the game. And I think that that really strengthens the relationship that they have because they understand each other they understand what it takes to win games, and they're willing to adjust what they do based on the other person. That's a good point. I, I, I uh, like the way you state it, and the relationship with those two right now are clicking on all cylinders, which means – and I don't want to jettison ahead. we got an important game against the Packers tonight, and this whole rest of the season, a potential Super Bowl. De- How's the negotiation going to go with Jalen Hurts when the season's over and done with? At some point, and and how he has stayed busy in other ways, he hasn't been able to work out an extension for any other players this year. And the Eagles, uh, like two-thirds of their defense is uh, coming up on free agency here. Blink before you know it, the offseason arrives. So how he's going to have to be pretty busy. And they're going to want to at least talk to Jalen Hurts and get the conversation going in the direction of a long-term extension. How's that going to play? Well, the interesting part there is it's, it, it could be based on how other quarterbacks are, are, are paid in. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's the big one to watch this offseason, right? So in the Carson Wentz uh, situation, the Eagles were quick acting on it because they wanted to get ahead of the market. They, they knew some of the other quarterbacks who were due for extensions, and they, they signed them to a good contract based on what the other deals were thereafter, um, but obviously it didn't work out with Carson Wentz. And so the question often comes down to whether the quarterback wants to sign early or the quarterback wants to wait. Uh, I don't think if, – if, if this continues on the trajectory it's going, I don't think the Eagles will have much hesitation offering Jalen Hurts that kind of contract. The question is whether you wait for someone else to set the market or if you're going to be the one who sets the market. Um, but as the, the, the fact that we're having this conversation – says something about where Jalen is this offseason, or, or, or I'm sorry, where Jalen is this season. Because going into the season, I was, I was skeptical whether he would get to this point where you say you need to sign him. Yeah, now we are at that point. No doubt about it. Uh, all right, last question for me. Uh, Zach Berman of The Athletic, kickoff 8-20, Eagles against a, uh, a, a Aaron Rodgers with a broken thumb, which seems to be a big deal. How's this one going to play out? I think it's going to be tougher than it might seem. And I think the Packers can, can, can run the ball. Rodgers um, is, is still Aaron Rodgers. I was surprised it was, it, it was a, a six-and-a-half-point line. Um, I think it's going to be close, but I think the Eagles are, are going to win. I think the big difference is the line of, scrim- the line of scrimmage. The Eagles are better on both lines. I think that the lack of depth that the Packers have on the defensive line is going to hurt them. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles run tempo, try to tire the Packers out, uh, and then on the offensive, you know, and, and, and then on the on the defensive side of the, of the ball for the Eagles, 
I think they can get after Rodgers. I, 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 I think they can penetrate this offensive line. So I think the difference is going to be the lines of scrimmage, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I predicted 24-21 Eagles, uh, and I'll, I'll stick to that. All Very right. good. So let me add one more. I asked this of a caller earlier. I'll ask it of you. Who has more yards rushing the ball tonight, Miles Sanders or Aaron Jones? I would go Miles Sanders. Um, yes. And, you know, Aaron, Aaron Jones can have those big chunk plays, uh, but I, I, I would feel safer going with Sanders. Right, you and I both. Go. I'm sure I guarantee somewhere you can make that bet. Um, Zach, I will see you in the press box tonight. And as we said, I will see you Wednesday, December 7th, starting at 630. We got uh, kind of the kickoff, we hope, to holiday uh, sports um, books and merchandise uh, for your sports fans. We're going to have a big event at Puddler's Kitchen in Tampa, Conchac and Brewing in Bridgeport. Start your holiday shopping. Zach will be there with his book, Ray Didinger, Mike Sealski. Uh, I'm going to have my book. There's going to be swag from Shibe Sports, Carl's Cards and Collectibles, and Hog Island Press, which is Charlie Manuel's company. Uh, the author, by the way, all the authors are going to be there. It's not just like Zach's going to drop off his books and go home, right? <laughs> We're going to sign all these things while we drink beer. I can't wait. The best part about this is is Glenn, is, is, is Glenn and Ray get, draw such a following that there's such a line there, someone standing in front of me waiting, and you know they'll buy my book out of sympathy sometimes. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't I, know about I, that. I, 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 I can't wait to come. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see you guys and excited to meet all the fans. We do agree that Ray always brings in the crowd. We know that, and we are all going on his coattails, and I think we're all fine with that. I, I Absolutely. Will not, yeah, I won't disagree with that. Uh, plus, you drink beer, so I'll buy the there beer you for you that night. Three to Calp Street in Bridgeport, um, on the banks of the Schuylkill, right across the bridge from Norristown. I will see you then. Well, I'll see you tonight. So thank you so much. Sounds good. Take care. Uh, all right, there you Thanks, go. Zach. Good, good guy. guy, smart guy. Uh, let's take a call. Yeah, except it's one thing I disagree with Zach on. Go. The quarterback rank. How do you feel about you and I have gone back and forth before about Pro Football Focus? Yeah. At times, I'm in lockstep with them, and at times, I'm pulling my hair out going, what the hell are they looking at that I don't see? Yeah. What is your thought on quarterback, on passer rating? Um, I think it's flawed. Um, I think it's almost like defensive metrics in baseball, which is you're trying to rank guys on so many topics that you can lose the forest for the trees. Here's how I feel about it, uh, and I know that you've uttered this phrase before, probably more so than me because you're more of a politico than I am, but I've always appreciated the line of democracy is the worst government except for every other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, that's right. And that's the way I feel about passer rating. Is it perfect? It is absolutely not. There are holes and flaws. and There is no perfect way to rate a quarterback but I think it's the best of a bad lot. So I think you have to give it its due, even pointing out its shortcomings. Quarterback ratings in the NFL right now. Tua Tungavaloa, number one. Geno Smith, number two. Patrick Mahomes, number three. Jalen Hurts, number four. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo, number five. Yeah. Dr- Dak Prescott, number nine. Okay. I'd rather see Dak Prescott than Jimmy Garoppolo come in here for the NFC Championship game. I think the 49ers are a better team, and Garoppolo is having a better season. He said definitively he wants no part of Dak Prescott. Give me Jimmy G. 
Oh, no, I got more respect and fear of Jimmy G than I do Dak Prescott at this time. I don't disagree with you, although I think it's really close. And it could change over the course of the next five, six weeks. But I I don't disagree. I mean, as a team, I think the... I, I think the Cowboys have been known to fall apart in the postseason, and their coaching does so, which isn't really addressing what you're saying. But yeah, but it it should it should be a factor because yeah, Jimmy G hasn't won the Super Bowl yet, but he's won a bunch of playoff games. Dak yeah. Prescott hasn't. No, Prescott did like the Cowboys just tend to fall apart in the postseason. So yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm with you. Let me sneak in, Mitch. Here you're on uh, with Jody and Glenn. Hey there, or you're not there. All right, we'll put you on hold. We'll see. He might have gone out to get a cup of coffee, Jody. We'll give him the we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and see if he comes back if he's there when we get back. So we'll take a break. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Hey, we're gonna pick some NFL games coming up. Three apiece. That work for you? That works for me. All right, we're gonna do that coming up. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, ninety four WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow, ninety four WIP. All right, let's see if Mitch is there. Mitch, you with us? Yes. Yeah. What's up? What, what is what, what's with this guy? <laughs> All right. We're, we're done with that. Um, Jody, you are on Facebook, correct? I believe we are Facebook friends. We are, uh, okay. but I, I rarely visit Facebook. I'm okay. not a Facebook devotee, but I have a Facebook page. Okay. So um, – Facebook has this thing that comes up every day, which is memory, called memories, and it uh, shows stuff that you posted on this same day in previous years, right? Really? So, I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah, it's actually kind of cool. So if you, you know, I, I posted a picture of my family five years ago on Thanksgiving, it'll come up this morning, and that's cool. Or if, if I posted something about the show, whatever, you know, beer, it, it shows me years later what I posted. So I bring this up because today was the 10th anniversary or is the 10th anniversary of the Eagles releasing my least favorite Eagle of all time. Really? And here's what I wrote on November 27th, 2012. Good riddance to a fan unfriendly one trick pony with a poor attitude and diminishing skills. Jason Babin, you never were a true Eagle. Wow, yeah, you disliked the guy more hated. than I did. Hey, oh, hated him. Uh, it, much like quarterback rating, um, he he had a skill set. He could, One. he was supposed, and he never did even reach the level of the heights that people were hoping for him when they signed him. But he wasn't awful. They, the Eagles have had some bad players over the last. I said 10 least years. favorite. I said least. Okay. So, All right. so, so you're you're incorporating more than just a his lot. Play. Here's what I'm incorporating. Okay. Here's what I'm incorporating. One, he was a jackass, and he was um, he he was snarky and thought he was funny and he was stupid and he was rude to to everybody, which I guess is mostly reporters. But there's no reason to do that anyway. But two. If you remember, this is when they said we're going to play. What was his name? Washburn was the was the defensive line coach, and they're playing a wide nine. Wide nine, yes. Right. Okay. So you line up way outside, and you try to rush the quarterback, and that's all he did. Now he got sacks. Yep. But I I should have looked up the stats before I did this. There was a year when he was here where he got double digit sacks, and other than that, like 
eight tackles for the entire rest of the year. <laughs> because that's all he would do. He wouldn't play. I mean, he would be in on defense for the run, and he wouldn't bother to try. If the play was going the other way, he wouldn't bother to do anything. He would do one thing, and it's all he did, and he was a bad guy, and he was also emblematic of what was a bad Eagles team. You know, they tried to build that dream team in 2011, and he was one of the guys he's going to come in and he's going to be a great player in defense, and he wasn't. He stunk. Again, he could sack the quarterback. It's a good skill. But if you do that at the at the expense of everything else, you are not helping your team. It's like the hitter who comes up and just tries to hit a home run Every single time. Well, these days, that's mostly what guys do. But ignore that part. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is baseball today. Yes. Uh, I know. And it's not good. I don't want to lose the topic here. Um, and, I, man, I don't know if there's a guy on the Eagles over the year, or even a Philadelphia athlete, who you would say is your least favorite. But to me, Jason Babin is, is top three or four all time since I've been doing this of my least favorite. Here's the reason why I uh, I can absolutely declare I cut him more slack than you do because I'm not nearly as uh, why was Jason why did he even darken our door by coming yes. here yes um, a pox you, upon thee you may have had more individual dealings with him than I did so you may know better how big a jerk he was or wasn't a little bit that was kind of his job I'll put as much blame if not more. On the defensive scheme that said, Jason, just go wide. Just go outside. Just use your speed and get to the quarterback. That's what we need you to do. And he tried to do it. And it was a failed defense just in general. So if he's doing what they're telling him to do, I can't find as much fault in it. Now, some of the numbers you quoted are just outrageous. You never get a tackle on anything other than I'm, I'm going to see if I can look it up I, while that's, we're talking. That's pretty bad, but I remember those Eagle teams, and I remember that defense, and, yeah, that's what they asked them to do. And it put more pressure on everybody else that the two defensive ends were told, yes, just kill the quarterback, and yes, do so in a wide-looping fashion. That's on the scheme as much as it is on the individual player. Uh, 2009 with the Eagles, when he, when he first – he was here and then he left and he came back, if you remember. Played 12 games, had 11 tackles. That's Two, not good. No, that is, that is not good. Uh, they say 2012, which is the year we're talking about, he had 5.5 sacks. They say he had 21 tackles. I disagree. You, you want to review that videotape? Yes. I I, I want to talk to That's the staff. You're throwing the red challenge flag. Yes, I don't believe Good for that. you, Coach McNally. I think those are inflated numbers. That's that's what I think. Hey, uh, one quick thing before we get to our picks. Uh, I know your uh, your other team is the New York Jets. I don't know what the line is on that game, but it, I, if you got to bet in fast, it may serve you well. Oh, because, I did. Okay, well, they're playing the Bears today. And, of course, Field is injured. And so Trevor Simeon was going to play. He injured his oblique in warm-ups. Oh. Starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears today. And I have experience, not personal experience, I have experience rooting for this guy. Oh, I know where you're going. I saw that. They officially I, I, made that move yesterday. Yes. Not starting, but adding him to the roster. I believe he's the worst quarterback I've ever seen in the NFL. Because I watched him start a game for the Bills and he was atrocious. And then I watched him play for somewhere else. I forget where it oh, was. Oh, I can tell you. Okay, you got it. Oh, yeah. 
You're referring to Nathaniel Peterman, who was, I guess, their third the, string quarterback. Very formal, yes. Uh, they they may have even elevated him for the practice from the practice squad. I'm not sure on that. Um, but he had that god awful game with the Bills. You know who swore by him? Gruden. Oh yeah, I'm seeing. Gruden he was, brought he him into the Raiders, the Raiders. Yeah. And like, uh, uh, Gruden was actually saying we could have a quarterback competition here between he and Derek Carr, which I was just mm. like scratching my. Are we talking about the same guy here, Gruden? That you're talking about, Nate Peterman? Yeah, I, I know from what you speak with Nate Peterman, and luckily I got in with the Jets at uh, only minus five and a half because someone told me during the week I was hosting a show on CBS and someone gave me some good inside information. They said, Justin Fields has no chance to play. That that they're just and, – and we understand it's here in Philadelphia because uh, the head coach of the Eagles always tries to do this too. They were looking for a competitive advantage by not stating that yeah. he was out, that he was only questionable. Somebody told me that he had no chance to play, none, zero, zip. So don't believe the whole he's questionable thing. He's out this week against the Jets. I didn't know that the backup quarterback was going to get hurt before the game started. So, yeah, I got the Jets at minus five and a half. It was seven this morning. It may go up with this announcement that you just gave. Uh, Nate Peterman, in his illustrious NFL career, has attempted 135 passes, completed 52%. That's not good. He has three touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 34. Yikes. <laughs> that's really bad. All right. Well, there you go. So that's – I think that's a game that uh, you, you could have picked a while. And the Jets, by the way, have their own quarterback issues. But we'll see if that's a game that you plan to pick. Let's each pick three NFL games. You take one first. All right. I told you I got the Jets at uh, five and a half. I've already got the action in on that one. But I don't think that's the number you're going to be able to get now on any outlet anywhere seven is the one that i saw this morning before the announcement came down so i'll 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 go there it might go up but i'm going to take the uh, jets and lay the seven points because yes the jets have a new quarterback an improved quarterback a quarterback who is not the future of the jets mike white but he did have a 400 yard passing game last year against cincinnati the jets upgrade by going to their backup quarterback the Bears do not by going to Nate Peterman. So, yes, I'm going to take the Jets minus seven points against the Bears today. Like it. All right. I am going to take the Indianapolis Colts rebounding this week. They showed well against the Eagles. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Colts are giving two and a half points. Listen, the Steelers' offense is is a disaster. I mean, you remember – over all these years, how explosive it could be! Now it's it's nothing. They're not they're not going to score much against the Colts' defense. Uh, I am not a huge fan of that. Matt Ryan's going to make things happen, but I think they're I think Indy is is shall we say spicy under Jeff Saturday. They played really hard against the Eagles. I think they're going to play really hard again. I think Jeff Saturday gets his second win by at least a field goal, and the Colts beat the Steelers. All right, game number two for me is a line that I just don't understand. And I know that some people believe if a line doesn't make sense to you, then you should go the other direction, that the line is telling you something. I say sometimes they just put out bad lines, and I think that's the case here. The Titans at home are getting a point and a half from the Bengals. 
I think the Titans are the most underrated team in the National Football League at this week. At week 12, what's the most underrated team? The Titans. And it shows in this line, them being a home underdog. Tannehill threw for over 300 yards in their last game against Green Bay. Yeah, I know. He's still Ryan Tannehill. But they're going to run Derrick Henry down the Bengals' throats. They got revenge from last year's. AFC playoff game in which Cincinnati took out the Titans at home. I think revenge pays off this week. Titans win the game outright. I play them on the money line, but I take the point and a half just in case. Uh, It's one of my three picks. I'm taking the Titans also. Um, I have the Titans plus two, so one and a half. There you go. Uh, This is probably the best game of the day, I think. These are two teams that are good and have gotten better as this season has gone on and probably both will end up making the playoffs. Yeah, Tannehill's not not great, but he's got a better cast around him, um, and they can do more things than just hand the ball off. Although that really works, it's uh, the Titans are home. I think their defense is very good and very well coached. So I will, like you, take the Titans. You said plus one and a half. I'll take the yeah. Titans plus one and a half, and enjoy that one. And the third one for me. And oh, by the way, Cincinnati today. No Jamar Chase. They yeah. said he might come back, not right, playing. still not back. No Joe Mixon, their number one running back. Right. So they're shorthanded, so I really do like the Titans. And my third and final game will be, sorry, Dougie P. I'm yeah. going to take the Ravens off a bye, giving three and a half in Jacksonville. They've had injury issues now for two years running, as a matter of fact. And a couple of guys have gotten more healthy. They may get Marcus Williams back at safety today. I think they uh, put up a pretty good number of points down in Jacksonville today and certainly enough to sc- cover a three-and-a-half-point spread. Road favorite, which usually I try and stay away from, but this one is not a big enough line to scare me off. I'll take the Ravens minus three-and-a-half against the Jags. Okay, I like that. And my final game is I am going to take the Chargers minus four-and-a-half against the Cardinals in Arizona. Uh, the, 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 the Chargers lost a couple of close games to the Niners and to the Chiefs, and the Niners and the Chiefs, by the way, are two of the best teams in the league. I am watching Justin Herbert. I think he's looking good. Uh, I think Brandon Staley's kind of figured out how to deal with his his own his defense kind of banged up, and he's working. And the Cardinals are a mess. Um, they they and I know they're now doing the, their own in season hard knocks. And Cliff Kingsbury gave this whole speech about this is our chance to get to first place and save the season. Well, they they haven't looked good in the last couple of weeks. They looked awful in Mexico, just terrible. And I think their season is just about cooked. So I will take the Chargers minus four and a half with Arizona, along with the Bengals getting one and a half at home uh, against, excuse me, the Titans getting one and a half at home against the Bengals and the Colts minus two and a half at home against the Steelers. And you've got. And oh, by the way, on your Cardinal pick, they're the worst home team in the National Football League. They're terrible in their own house. Yes. And they're in their own house today, so I I like your pick. I got Ravens minus three and a half, Jets minus seven, and we're both on the Titans plus a point and a half against the Bengals. There you go. All right, give the the closeout line on this. I always love it. Um, And we all hope you're cashing them, not trashing them. It's beautiful. That's the thing of beauty. That's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack. Now we'll come back. We'll give you our thoughts on the Eagles game. We'll make our picks on that. We'll find out from producer Franny Rojas what we forgot to talk about. We have time for a call or two. 215-592-9494. Jody and Glenn on 94 WIP. 
Journey McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Sunday morning on night, or Sunday afternoon, excuse me, on 94 WIP. Raining pretty hard around here, Jody. How's it looking at where you are? I was going to say I could give you a weather update. The rain has started here in South Jersey as well. Yeah. I would say more than a sprinkle. It's not a downpour. Pretty solid uh, amount of rain coming down as we speak. And it is projected to rain almost right up until kickoff, hopefully not during the game. Uh, by the way, I will next see you on Wednesday evening. We're yes. Having, we're having beers uh, with a very nice woman named Christina Wagner who bid at the uh, charity event for First Tee of Greater Philadelphia with the Maryland Mike Beer to have a night of pounding beers with her. So she and whoever she chooses to bring will meet us at Conchac and Brewing Company, King of Prussia. Uh, and, uh, Jody, I look forward to uh, introducing you to a bunch of beers, some of which you will probably like. And shame on me, I've already forgotten what we have the wager on. We made a wager earlier in the show that... Uh, Three and a half times that they mentioned the bravery of right. Aaron Rodgers for playing through right. all this. Yeah. Uh, for the first half that you yeah. think that Collingsworth yeah. will go there at least four times. I don't oh, yeah. think it would be quite that much. Yeah. Uh, just real quick before we get to our pick, I'm just kind of, uh, as we do the show, I'm just you know looking at stuff that happened yesterday. I did not watch the Flyers game last night. I didn't need to see I did. Tenth I, I in a tuned, row. You I did. 2-2. Two, two, two. I thought they had a chance. I jumped over to some college football. I came back about 35 minutes later. The game was over. They just got pummeled yeah. and taken apart. So I missed all the goals, but I was tuned when it was 2-2. Two, two. I said, maybe they can actually steal a game and stop this losing streak. No such luck. Yeah, speaking of pummeled, uh, that's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, Three minutes and 16 seconds left in the game. There's a pretty good scrum around the ice. And, oh, my gosh, Oliver Wallstrom of the Islanders just flailed Tony D'Angelo around like a rag doll. You see that one? I did not see the video on that. Sorry to say. man, that was uh, – When I got back and they were losing, I said, all right, I'm sticking with college football. They're not coming back from this deficit. So I did not see any beatdown of Tony D'Angelo. It was beatdown was the word. All right, Jody Mack, I hold in my hand a folded piece of paper. Here it is. And on that piece of paper is the exact final score of today's Eagles Titanic tilt against the Green Bay Packers. Please lay it out first. Did you uh, did you save my folded piece of paper from last week? I'm looking around for it. I'm assuming that means it was extremely accurate. Not necessarily. Oh, okay. Uh, but you didn't save it, did you? No. No. Did you save it from the week before? I don't save these things. It's okay, paper. you don't save them. All right. Well, here's the reason why I'm asking. Two weeks ago, when they played the Commanders, I said... It was an 11-point line. I thought it was going to be right about that, a 10-11 point win. So I said, play the over. There will be points scored. There was. Yeah. It was an over game. But I had the Eagles winning 31-20. to They did not, as we know. This past week against Indianapolis, I thought a very motivated um, Eagles offense led by Nick Sirianni rallying the troops uh, would win and win handily in Indianapolis. They did not. They won, but they didn't win handily. And my final score prediction was 31 to 20. So for the third consecutive week, I am going back to the same exact final score. I think they beat the Green Bay Packers tonight 31 to 20, and I may just stick with this score until I finally get close. Uh, it's going to happen sooner or later. All right. Well, my folded piece of paper says that, and I'm too 
cautious to predict the end of Aaron Rodgers. I've seen him be great before. I saw the Packers run the ball pretty well against Dallas. I think it's going to be closer than this spread, which is six and a half, last I checked. Yep. He's, okay. Uh, but I do think the Eagles have an advantage on both offense and defensive lines, as Zach Berman told us, and Linville Joseph and um, Namak and Sue, uh, at least last week, really restored that line, and I want to believe that can continue. So I think the Eagles are going to wear them down. I'm a little worried about A.J. Brown, the illness. Uh, we'll see how he feels. Dallas Goddard not being there is, is a problem, and that could that could hold back the passing game. But the Packers' defense, as we talked about earlier, is poor against the run, so maybe they can find the guy wearing jersey number 26 and use him a little bit. They should be able to run all over him. Green Bay turns the ball over a lot, 16 times in 11 games, so let's say the Eagles force two turnovers. They win that battle. Um and I'm going to say that the Packers, having lost, they 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 won a couple weeks ago. Excuse me, beat Dallas in overtime, which was impressive, but they could not capitalize that in their last game against Tennessee, losing at home, losing by ten points at home as a favorite. I think that pretty much ended their playoff hopes. So I think that they're going to be a little flat. Bottom line, high scoring game. You said what? Thirty one twenty one. 31-20. 31-20. I say the Eagles win this 30-24, to which I guess means they don't cover, but a high-scoring and fun game. All right, let's find out. What did we forget to talk about from Francisco Rojas? All right, guys, so I'm going to bounce off. Hey, Jody, does he have a music band? I guess so. Wow. I'm impressed. impressed. Look oh, at thanks, that. Guys. Very nice. mood music for what we forgot to talk about. Uh, so, so let's let's. Uh, I'm gonna bounce off the Tony D'Angelo fight. Did you guys see the the slap boxing match in college basketball yesterday? I did. That was that was really. I I don't think you'd see that too often. Slap? Not anymore. And compared to fights they used to have in basketball, it was pretty tame. Because as you said, it was a couple slaps. Slaps. That's what it was. Yeah, I just thought it was. I thought it was interesting. It was funny. Um, and then Jody, <laughs> I'm sure you brought this up in the past week, but you guys didn't talk about it today. Uh, Connor Hughes from SNY absolutely ripped Zach Wilson on like a three-minute rant right after the uh, game la- uh, last week um, after they lost to New England. And it was just – you never really see that from reporters anymore um, or ever. And I just thought it was really good. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw that. I did, and I had no problems with it. And I tweeted this while the Jets were playing last week. Robert Sala eventually got it right, replacing Zach Wilson. He was about a quarter and a half late to the party. He should have pulled him in the third quarter of that inept game against the Patriots, and Eagles could have stolen a win last week. Now, I think they're going to win today, but their playoff hopes are severely compromised because they stuck with uh, Zach Wilson way too long. And if that means I'm ripping them too, like Connor did, yeah, count me in. Okay, and uh, last thing. I don't know if you guys had mentioned it today. I'm pretty sure you didn't. But Caleb Williams uh, looks like a lock for the Heisman after they uh, their big win against Notre Dame, I believe it was, yesterday. Everybody's yep. pretty much saying Connor, uh, Caleb Williams is the, the Heisman lock at this point. So, I defer to you on that one, Jody. McMahon, um, late August, whenever it was on my uh, national show, I said, if you're looking for a guy for some value to bet for the Heisman, Stroud and Young, the top two quarterbacks, were very much favorites. And you get about eight or nine to one on Caleb Williams. I said, there's a guy you should play. Goes with his coach. They they brought in a bunch of uh, talented wide receivers in the transfer portal. Eight or nine to one, that's someone you should play for the Heisman. 
ask me how much I put on it. How much? Not a penny. Oh. So I, I gave it out on the air and then didn't uh, back it myself. Didn't follow your own advice. Shame on me, yeah. but at least I did have a uh, an inkling that that was going to work real well, and they're going to make the college football playoff, and he's going to win the Heisman. He's right. Yeah, uh, deservedly so off of that. Anyway, Francisco. Oh, Francisco, who was the uh, caller of the day? All right, so for call of the day, I had Aaron from Norristown. Uh, earlier, he ripped uh, Flyers ownership. Great, I thought it was yeah, it was I thought it was good. pretty uh, pretty easy pick there. Yeah, um, called him the Comcast hockey team. Yes, it was a classic rant. Francisco, do me a favor, send me his info so that I can get him his fifty dollar gift card to Shy Vintage Sports, where there is a story in every stitch. Uh, Jody Macca, as I said earlier, I will see you next on Wednesday in King of Prussia. We will drink beer and toast an Eagles win. Done deal. Will be my pleasure. Looking forward to it, buddy. Have a good uh, uh, pregame show tonight. Stay dry. Yeah. Well, we're under a tent, so that's a good thing. And we invite everybody to come out because, again, special night today. Hugh Douglas, Trent Cole get into the Eagles Hall of Fame. I think they're going to be joining us live on the show right around 7.30. So when you're coming to the game, make sure you stop by the pregame tent on the north side of the stadium. Uh, Angry Bob Cherry and Marcus Hayes. Boy, there's a combination of some vitriol. Good stuff coming up next. Stay tuned. And, yes, as I'm going to sandwich them because as soon as they're done, 5 o'clock, we begin countdown to kickoff. Ross Tucker, Dave Spadaro, and me leading into the pregame show. Oh, Ike Reese will be there. Elliot Shore Parks will be there. Howard, Merrill Reese, Reuben Frank, a whole bunch of people. Look forward to seeing you there. Enjoy your day. We'll see you after the or before the Eagles game on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.